Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR three three one. We are looking at Impact No Surrender twenty twenty one, and I have the pleasure to be joined by the Ultimate One. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Um, you know, just another another day in New York City. You know, things are opening up here little by little. You know, um, and you know we had a good a good weekend of wrestling, and um, definitely ready to talk about this No Surrender pay-per-view and uh, AEW stuff that happened last week so you know I'm ready well without doubt we are doing back-to-back shows for the very first time so it's uh it's quite interesting to see how it's working but like I said there's been so much wrestling in a huge weekend that the WNR's covering of course no surrender on the Saturday night and takeover on the Sunday but we're going to focus like I said on impact and AEW and last time we had left it Kenta was shocking the world uh, but we start with Impact's Go Home show, and of course that's the 9th of February. We had a great eight-man tag to start. Miguel, Alexander, Max, Suicide, Austin, Bay, Davari, Christian will all be in the triple threat revolver at No Surrender. Trey got the win for his uh, team. We see Kimberly picking up a win over ODB. Jazz and Grace attacked, and this leads to our six women tag being announced for No Surrender as well with Grace, Jazz, ODB versus Lee Prazzo and Susan. And then we see cousin Jake didn't want to stand with Violet by design. He wants to be Jake something, but he could be someone versus Dina at No Surrender. And then we see another paid avatar, Tony Khan, saying uh, what the forbidden door was and it was it be open. And it was Tony Khan all along was actually behind the forbidden door. Now you can experience Impact Wrestling and JPW and every company with AEW as well. Uh, what surprises does Khan have in store? Find out next time. Um, what do you think about that? Because we were talking about the Forbidden Door. Uh, what does it actually mean? Because, of course, Tony Khan's talking about it now. But the the impact, you know, these three companies actually working together at this point in time. Uh, just to give a little history here now, we all know that New Japan and Impact, they had a working relationship in I said it was 2007 and 2008. Okada came in as a young lion. And then you know the history of that. Uh, oh, New Japan didn't like the way they treated him. That After that, closed the door. Permanent, uh, actually, probably permanent, yeah, for a while. Uh, New Japan didn't want to work with Impact. Uh, so now they talk about the Forbidden Door. The Forbidden Door was pretty much, um, you know, AEW started. There was... Rumors going around that, that the Young Bucks didn't want to work with New Japan anymore because either they went out and getting paid correctly or whatever the case. And the Omega situation where the president over there, uh, Howard, whatever his name, Minch, whatever his name he had, uh, he didn't like Omega. And then Tadahashi was behind the scene playing politics. Omega's title reign didn't last long. Um, so now we had two companies, AEW, who had just started. And then you had Impact, who already had issues with new japan that and new japan being the biggest uh promotion in japan and they were looking you know ways to get into the u.s market i mean that they were like well in order for you to get to the, you will have to work with a company here in the united states and ring of honor was the only one that they were working with here in the united states and ring of honor was already suffering because the talent they had left from Ring of Honor to create AEW. So they had no choice, first of all. They uh, they allowed, I remember, uh, Moxley signed with AEW. They had some type of deal where he could work in Japan, but then AEW didn't want Moxley working with New Japan in the United States. Then, um, of course, 
Impact pretty much uh, bought Access Channel here in America, and then um, they, they, uh, at that time Access had was having New Japan in their channel. They took them out, so it was like a lot of animosity between these two companies and New Japan. At the end, it worked out. Tony Khan probably figured, well, you know what? Let's work something out with them, you know, because first of all, John Moxley is the IWGP US champion, and that's the New Japan title. So, you know, with the pandemic and all that stuff, now we're here. We we need this guy to defend the belt. He hasn't defended the belt for over a year. So, at the end of the day, everybody came together. I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, the one that really uh, pretty much gets the most out of it is Impact because now you have New Japan wrestlers coming in, you know, um, and New Japan wrestlers could come in working Impact. Impact will go to AEW and wrestle. AEW wrestles will go to uh, AEW. So, you know, it's the forbidden door is open. Now, you know, you got all this exchange of, of talent or they could show up, whatever, you know, and, and, and it's good for wrestling. But is it, like we talk about it, a shoot in a way, as in, is it Tony Khan that's kind of controlling it at the moment? Are Impact kind of going through uh, him and his connections with New Japan? Or is there kind of, you know, people working beyond the behind the scenes as well. I obviously, think they, but... I, I think I think uh, maybe Tony Khan, being that he's a before he's an owner of AEW, before he's part of the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, he remember he is a wrestling fan, a long time wrestling fan. So he probably looked at it in the wrestling perspective. Maybe he was behind the scene uh, negotiating with New Japan. Remember, Jericho has a good relationship. With uh, with Ghetto, um, Ghetto's the guy, the book over there. He's the one who controls everything over there. He's the guy who, you know, with the Bullet Club thing, whatever. So Ghetto and Jericho has a long history. So I'm sure Jericho has something to do with it, also. You know, probably Jericho was the lifeline between New Japan and and and, and Tony Khan. Um, Tony Khan did mention, um, he did say there was going to be a, a, a some type of shift in professional wrestling. Impact, again, Don Callis is another guy. Don Callis has, uh, uh, you know, he calls himself the invisible hand, but he's another guy who has worked with New Japan, has a good relationship with New Japan. And once I saw Don Callis come in and kind of like trying to take over uh, Impact or behind the scenes, whatever, I was like, it won't be long before New Japan tries to work something with Impact. But Tony Khan being in the middle, I think he has something to do with it. There's other people involved in it that did not mention it, but I'm sure Jericho was one of them. I think we're at that, and I think we'll move on, obviously, uh, in a second, but it also helps with the talent involved, you know, like we talk about with uh, the Good Brothers on Impact and, of course, Kenny Omega and the connection with the Young Bucks and everybody in, in New Japan as well. So the kind of talent's not going to be like, oh, we don't want to work with them. You know, if the opportunity's there, they go, well, yeah, of course we want to work with these guys because either we know them or we've always wanted to, you know. So I think it's a great situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, every the ones who come out winning out of everything is the wrestling fans, because there's so many. I mean, me and you, the last time we were on, that I was in your show, we talk about fantasy booking. So many opportunities, so many different matches that could be put together. So many storylines. You know, you could, like I said, you could have guys like Bullet Club, Tamatanga, and Tonga Lord the Gorillas Destiny just show up at AEW. And probably attack Kenny Omega because they want to be no, we're the real Bullet Club. You know, so many opportunities. Same thing with Impact. Impact right now, 
you, you know, they, there's rumors in New Japan. I think this week coming up, New Japan wrestlers will be showing up. And that's that's a big deal. That's a very big deal because the last time a New Japan pro wrestler was an actual in an Impact TV was back in 2007, 2006, something like that. I mean, it was a long time. I mean, it was, uh, I think, the Tokyo Pimp, uh, Takahashi, and Naito were a tag team called No Limits. That's how long it's wow. been. Long time ago. Well, I was talking about President Day and the uh, Impact Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, uh, were promo backstage saying they plan to beat up Storm and Sabin in tonight's main event, predicting the end of the tonight's match along with no surrender bout against Private Party, a Magic Killer, a 1 2 3, and a 2. Sweet. And then we see Fire and Flavor living on a losing streak since winning the titles, and Leviah and Havoc will get their shot on Saturday, and then Decay have had problems with Caleb with a K, Black Taurus, or Taurus, as they were saying, debuted. Uh, he's with AAA. He absolutely destroyed them. Uh, Tenille Dashwood wasn't happy. And to make it worse, has the team with a jobber team, XXL versus Decay. Um, have you seen any of Black Taurus or any of uh, AAA wrestling? Black Taurus, I, follow, I, I know about him because I did see him wrestle, I think, in Triple Mania last year. So he's pretty, you know, he he's very agile for the for his size. So I have followed Black Toro. I was surprised that he joined the K. I mean, he doesn't to me doesn't add up to him. I mean, even though that mask looks creepy, but but you know, he he's one guy that uh, as big and brolic he is, and well, he's not that big, but he looks like real brolic like. He can move in that ring. Well, the uh, Chris Sabin and. James Storm versus Scott Hansen and, of course, uh, Luke Gallows, or Doc Gallows, as he is now the main event, happened. Uh, and this was quite a good match between uh, both teams. And just as, as it was uh, getting heated up, we see the Good Brothers distracted by appearance of Matt Hardy and Private Party, allowing James Storm to make tag and light up Anson and Gallows. Uh, he would have got the pin, but Private Party broke it up and it ended in a disqualification. And backstage, Big Money Matt and Private Party were celebrating their moves tonight. But Scott Demore said that instead, at uh, uh, No Surrender, it will be a triple threat tag team match for the Impact World Titles with a team of James Storm and Chris Saban being added. Now, does that dilute the match or does that make you more excited for it? Because obviously we had um, the Good Brothers versus Private Party and now with Storm and Saban. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Did that I mean, I mean, did Private Party did interfere in the match. And um, they just made it better, and now they have to lie on it because they could have had that one-on-one uh, situation with uh, with the uh, the Good Brothers. But I mean, it has a little flavor in it though because now you got two tag teams that have a lot of experience, you know. Um, and then now you got this green—I call them green because they still got a lot of work to do. They got this green. Uh, stuck up tag team with their manager who thinks he's the one who invented tag team, you know, I, I, and it made it exciting, you know, because now you want to, now you really want to see private party lose. And, you know, if you're a fan of impact and you're in the bubble impact, now you want to, you want these outsiders from AEW coming in, trying to win the belts. You want them to lose. They don't care who wins. If it's, Storm and Saban or, or the Good Brothers, they just want to see them lose. And then we had the Dreamer and Swan contract signing. It was interrupted by Moose, 
uh, Demore threatened to suspend Moose indefinitely if he interfered on Saturday. Moose said he didn't need to. He already beat Tommy Dreamer and he knew he could beat Swan. Dream was furious, brought up some texts he received after the match at Slammiversary. Dreamer took Moose to the limit last summer, and even though Moose seemed to be more focused now, still didn't understand. Tommy Dreamer wrestled and continues to wrestle to push the younger generations to test their limits. At no surrender, he'll do it when he takes Rich Swan to the limit and captures the Impact Wrestling World Championship. Uh, I think really good work there by Tommy Dreamer. But all I kept thinking was you and just going, Moose is going to kill him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moose, Moose, I'm telling you, and Moose, is, it's crazy because this is a guy who I follow when he first came into Ring of Honor and how green he was and he wasn't mobile as as good as he, he is now. This is like an upgraded version of Moose. It's like 3.0, not 2.0, 3.0. This guy, I mean, I saw him in Hard to Kill, and, and it's funny because I haven't seen him wrestling so long. When I saw him in Hard to Kill, I was like, how can this guy not be the next Impact World Champion? You know? And and he's gonna he's gonna kill he's gonna kill Swan. He's just he's gonna I think Swan may be able to get a couple of probably some high offense on him, whatever, but I I, I don't I see Moose becoming a world champion. He's the guy who's gonna unify those belts together and become the undisputed impact world champion. If they don't uh, then I gotta ask myself, what is Impact thinking? You cannot. Well, I, I, like I said, Rich Swan, I do not see him as a world champion. The thing is, though, with Impact is like I've only started watching it week in week out this year uh, because obviously it's the low of you know you talk about wrestling fans' priorities. Impact's probably not that high up, but one thing it has done, it has delivered a good show every week. There's not one show I've watched and I thought, oh, there's always been a little bit of something it would be the storylines coming through and of course leading up to the event. So Impact's kind of impressed me, but then again, maybe the bar wasn't set as high as maybe it would be for other companies, if that's fair, you know? Yeah, I mean, right now Impact could uh, take the advantage and, and make this man a world champion and again, the uh, opportunities are there, are, are, are endless. You go and you put this guy against, you know, make him a world champion. And like I said, the Infinity Gauntlet situation with the Omega being the world champion, trying to be the belt collector. You have a match between Omega versus Moose. That's money. That's People are going to want to watch that on pay-per-view. I mean, why not? I mean, you got one guy who's improved so well, well-rounded in every level. And for a big guy, for what he was doing and hard to kill, he reminds me, of a Lance Archer, even though Lance Archer's been in the business a little longer and he does crazy moves, but moves is showing that at almost seven feet, this guy could go, you know, and him and Omega match, it will be, oh my goodness, it will be money. <laughs> well, that is impact. And of course, our main event of the podcast will be coming back for No Surrender. But of course, we follow AEW as well. And we've got Dynamite. And of course, the next time we'll be doing the podcast together will be AEW Revolution, which feels like the build for that has been going on for a very long time. So let's see how uh, this week's Dynamite went. And the show opened with the intro video, obviously. Then we had Darby Allen versus Joey Janela for the AWTNT Championship. We talked about last time, Joey not deserving a shot. But this wasn't a bad match. Um, we see Janela hitting a wicked power driver and uh, setting him up. But unfortunately for him, Allen managed to hit the coffin drop and retain the TNT Championship. Um, I think it was quite a good start to Dynamite. What were your thoughts on the match? 
Well, it, it, listen, that that match was pretty good because these two are familiar with each other. Um, the only thing that I found disappointing was the ending, because remember the last the the week before Taz was talking about oh we're gonna show up and we're gonna do, and Sting was like well I'm gonna be there I'm gonna make sure the match is gonna go fair and square, and the match was pretty good it was decent I mean you got two guys here that they known for their uh, relentless high risk moves. Um, and um, Darby Allen, uh, at one point I saw him, he, he did a two-page suicide and he was like, it was like a rocket launcher and hit uh, Janela. But there was these two guys who already are, like I said, they are, they are familiar with each other, whatever. The thing that disappointed me was, oh, I was like, okay, maybe Taz comes out now with his team and they beat the crap out of Darby Allen and nothing happened. And I was like, okay, now what? You know? So it led me wanting more as far at, after the match, but you know, that kind of changed afterward as the, the show progressed. I think that's an excellent point, because if it was WWE, maybe people would have said, oh, look, it's them kind of doing that again. But these are the types of things Dynamite and AEW got to be careful of, because those little inconsistencies that kind of build up, and then, you know, it, it gets kind of bigger, and they think, well, let's just either switch this or change this, because the fans not really paying attention. And like I said, if you're spending time to spend two hours watching a show the previous week, you're thinking, well, at least carry it on. Obviously, in WWE, the biggest thing recently was Ricochet, uh, not qualifying for the Rumble and being in the Rumble match. But, you know, Dynamite kind of don't want to go down that road, do they, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's like, it's like the, the, again, like I said it on my show, the the good thing about AEW is they leave cliffhangers. And we talked about that the last time I was on your show about cliffhangers. You leave cliffhangers and then the following week, we as fans go and see it. And then it doesn't turn out what we thought it was going to happen. It kind of is like a letdown, you know? But like I said, you know, uh, it it was a little let down. The match was good, uh, but you know that changed as the the show progressed. Yeah, it was a nice German catch by Janela Derby. Is good to watch. And again, like I said, a good match. And then we see John Moxley cutting a promo outside. He said Kenny Omega's been talking trash and looking like a dork for months now. And last week was no surprise to him. The time for cheap talk is over. And if Kenta wants the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, he's gonna have to come get it. February 26th at New Beginning USA. Uh, but that's a sanctioned match. It's 90 teams for a guy that's tried to kill him multiple times in an unsanctioned match just for fun. Uh, folks, yeah. I think Moxley, uh, fantastic promo. He's kind of that swagger and confidence is back that maybe went away towards the end of his uh, reign. Uh, and I just can't wait for the match. You know, it was, it was, was what really was interesting about that promo, that they actually allow Moxley to show that United States belt that doesn't belong to AEW. So that I was like, wow, he actually has the IWP United States title with him. You know, um so that was that was cool. Uh, and you know, Moxley with a belt makes it more interesting, you know? Um because you don't know what you're going to get from him. You know, the guy's you know, the guy's he's crazy, he's a nut, you know, uh but it, it makes it interesting. But again, uh we were talking about the Forbidden Door. They just they, the forbidden door is wide open. He kicked that shit in, and it's like, you know, it's wide open. So it's it, again, I'm just looking forward to watching the next AEW dance, but see what happens. Well, backstage, Sammy wanted a word alone with MJF. MJF thought Sammy was jealous, but he just hates Chris Jericho's guts and wants to be leader. Guevara mockingly 
bit, and MJF says exactly what he wanted to hear and picks up his phone. Guerrero immediately freaks out, asks who's been recording him, and throws the phone against the wall and cheaps up Freeman to send us to a break. Um, obviously, that would lead on to a little bit later. Our next match was Cesar Benoni and pretty Peter Avalon versus Nightmare Family, Cody and Lee Johnson. Uh, Johnson got the hot tag and hit a beautiful corkscrew to the floor, uh, and then he got the schoolboy pin uh, to pick up his very first win. Uh, we seen Shivani afterwards. He said after a year of losing, he's lost for words. He was naught and 29. He likes to thank his trainers and says the Rose family is his family alone. They did that. Cody and Dustin raise his hand. Um, I don't know what you thought about that, but I thought, well, it shows that a victory actually means something, you know, in AEW. Yeah, but this bigger storyline to that because I don't know if you saw it that he uh, Lee John. First of all, before I get to the, my point, Lee Johnson has improved big time from the first time I seen him wrestle and the first his first match was against Warlow. I remember that and like this is when the the pandemic had started and and they were showing AEW Dynamite looked like dark. I remember him wrestling Warlow. Now. You go in the ring with Warlord, you're not going to get much offense because the guy's a beast, you know. But And I've seen him in other matches where he gained squads, whatever. And I saw what he had on this match, on this tag team match. And, and, and I like what they did because it's more like Cody not worried about himself. He's trying to get the younger talent over. Same guys, uh, uh, the, the, like the same thing with the other guys who were the opponent, Peter Avalon, the other guy, Cesar Bonelli, whatever his name is. Uh so Lee Johnson getting his first win was, you know, shows you that okay, these guys are ready to push him. He got a pilot, he got a contract with AEW already. But if you notice when um the interview when they interview him, he gave thanks to Cody and he gave thanks to uh Dustin. He even thanked Brandy. Look in the back, if you get to see it again, QT Marshall looked at him like, What? You're not giving me my props? So there's gonna be a few between him and QT Marshall. Marshall is gonna be the guy who probably is going to turn on the nightmare family and he's going to attack Lee Johnson. It's, it's going to happen because you got, I mean, that's, this was all over the internet. They show him like, what this look like? What? You didn't give me my props. I mean, QT Marshall was one of the guys who's been training him. So uh, it's going to be interesting because there goes another, there's a storyline right there. You're going to be like, okay, let's see, let's see what's going to happen next, next week. Is, is QT Marshall going to team up with him? So you're going to turn on him. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a storyline you want to keep following up. Yeah, that's an that's an excellent spot. And then we get an interview from the Young Bucks. Uh, the good brothers roll up before they can say anything and cry about the ratings. They pop the Bucks want to address the problem of the good brothers interfering in the Battle Royal, saying if they had want it, they would have picked Gallows and Anderson as a challenge. Anderson and the Gallows spin things so at the inner circle of Bucks' biggest problem. And the issue is challenging Santina and Ortiz for the titles next week. Good brothers offer up a two sweet. Matt wants to keep it private, but Nick is willing to go for it as we go to a break. And then back from commercial, Hangman Laden Page's interview backstage. He waves off the idea of taking with Matt Hardy. And Matt, this I, I actually laughed out loud with this bit because uh, Matt's saying, come on, just come to a bar. And Adam's like, oh, okay, let's go. And as he gets up, you see the Dark Order there. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Silver who always, you know, go, oh, hi, hi, Adam, you, no, that's fine, you know, and it's just so awkward that it, it's, it's, it's actually funny, you know, but um, talk about, you know, Adam Page having a decision to make, obviously, uh, we'll see that a little bit later as well, it's getting interesting, it's getting very interesting, because like I said last time, the Dark Order is still in the picture, you know what I'm saying, 
Um, and also, you know, I, I, I look at everything on some of these promos on these little segments because I, I want to look at body language. I want to look at if anybody gave a crazy look. Same thing, uh, um, you saw Anna Jay was not happy that the guy stopped to talk to him. And Anna Jay was like, what? Why are you even talking to him? So, you know, obviously we're going to we're gonna see what happens with that um, later on. Our next match is Pack versus Ryan Nemeth. Uh, Pack with a stomp that about near kills Nemeth right out the gates. Snaps his left missile drop. Ryan tries his best to get back in, even hitting a big DDT, Allah, his brother Dolph. But this is Pack's match to lose. Pack wins the submission with the brutalizer. Uh, what this, are was your a, this was on a murder. This was a. I, I don't. This was probably to probably to push Pac even much deadlier than he is already. I mean, even though Ryan Nemeth, for whatever his name is, uh, he did that spike power drive, uh, spike DDT, uh, and it was good. And I think it was the only offense he did because the rest of the match, Pac was just. Park just brutalized this guy. He just beat the crap out of him. It was just like, you know, he was just a jobber for the night. Well, Nemeth has impressed in his role in the little bits that I've seen him. But, I mean, after the pack, he's just looking like a main eventer. You know, and I'm just hoping yeah. he gets his opportunity um, down the road as it was. And I think, you know, he's had a lot of misfortune these past couple of years. And if he can just have an injury-free, you know, COVID-free, maybe a little bit, just a run... I think this time next year he can find himself in a great position. And we get a recap of last week's wedding of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. And then backstage, Jericho Hager, Wardlow interviewed. Jericho's ready for his match and he's sure MJF will be ready when he rolls up with his ribs taped. That actually made me laugh a little bit as well with Santana and Ortiz. And just explains what happened and says Sammy Carrera is a maniac. Jericho said he'll take care of it later as they make their entrance. Of course, it's the inner circle versus the acclaimed. Uh, inner circle getting an inset promo with MJF running down the uh, Cart eliminated MJF last week in the Battle Royal. We see MJF selling the ribs early and uh, acclaimed had control, but then some hill walk for the number one team in the inner circle. But Bowen's managed to get the hot tag, hit a plancher, but MJF steps aside. Jake Hager shoves Case off the top and into Jericho's path into a Judas effect. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because I was surprised. I thought it was a good match, but they claimed have won 11 out of their 13 tag team matches. and think very highly of them well i think they're trying to push them to i don't know they won't that's what i'm saying they came up they got a title shot um they were they, they were like this hottest tag team they won like eight in a row and now they up and up in the roster losing matches um but you knew they were not going to beat jericho and mjf especially the fact that mjf and jericho are the number one tag uh, number one contenders for the aew tag team um, and it's interesting because um, you mentioned uh, when the Young Bucks uh, challenged Proud and Powerful for the tag. Uh, oh, they gave him a shot. They gave him a shot next week for the tag team title. And it's interesting that all these problems are going on in the inner circle. Now, here's a, a, something that I thought when I saw these guys win the match against the claim. I'm like, would it be something if Proud and Powerful ends up dethroning the Young Bucks, and then uh, Double or Nothing or whatever. No, what's the next one? Revolution. 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 You have Jericho and MJF against Santana Ortiz for the AEW Tag Team Titles, and that that will put more of a crack in the inner circle. That's already, you know, these guys are about to break up. It's it's, it's going to implode sooner or later, but you know, um, but the the interesting part 
it was the thing after the match. I'll let yeah. you know. Well, I was about to say, but about that, you know, the interesting thing about Southampton Ortiz getting the victory, good brothers could cost the bucks. And then at Revolution, you can have the Impact titles online, Young Bucks versus the Good yeah. Brothers, if they want to yeah, do that yeah, as well. Yeah, so, that, that crossed know. my mind too. Because, I mean, won't you want to watch the Young Bucks versus the Good Brothers one-on-one on, uh, on Revolution? One of their biggest pay-per-view? Of course you do. I mean, uh, but it, it's also, if you want to make another tag team situation interesting, MJF, Jericho, were proud and powerful, the tag team champions. I mean, proud and powerful deserves those tag belts. That's, that's what I'm saying. You know, the young boss yeah, can get back. Like I say, you can have both matches at the pay-per-view, one for the Impact, one for the AEW titles, and it, it would work great guns. But like you said, afterwards, Sammy Guevara came to the ring. Jerk asked what his problem is, and Sammy says he's told him on December 9th, right here on Dynamite, that if one more thing happened with MGF, he was done. So he's out here to tell him he's done. Jerk asked him what he means, and Guevara says he's quit the inner circle. Sammy leaves the ring and heads to the back while Jerk himself. And we go for a break. Back from commercial. Guevara is interviewed on his way out to the arena. He said he just needs time away from here. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, it's, it's now, you know what? Ah, this is going to be good because now you don't know when Sammy Guevara is back. Um, so if, is he going to show up at uh, Revolution unexpected? Is he taking a break? Um, you know, again, that leads to cliffhanger because now we're going to see if um, Mr. MJF is going to be happy that Sammy Guevara is not there, or is this a plot to for for uh, for the Inner Circle to take out Jericho as the leader of Inner Circle? Because if you notice that all this thing is happening, and it could show you that Chris Jericho is losing control of the leadership of the group. So all this infighting, all this implosion. Who's the who's the number one tag team? And now Sammy goes attack MJF. So pretty much. The story shows that Jericho is losing control of the group. So now there's two questions: Is they trying, they trying to take out Jericho out of as his leader, or MJF just wanted to get rid of Sammy Guevara? And pretty much he did because now Sammy Guevara just walked out of the group. But again, this is what I love: the cliffhangers. Because now you want to watch, want to watch it the following week. And then we cut to Matt Hardy and Hangman Adam Page drinking together. Hard. A great time. He knows Paige doesn't want to be a tag team, but he thinks he can dominate and be the guy. He can make him millions and millions for just 30% of his earnings. You can see Paige has uh, knocked a few back, as it were. Matt Hardy's thrown his drinks to the floor. And then he gets out the contract out of his pocket, out of his jacket, tossing it to uh, Paige. Paige signs it, and Matt tells the camera that he needs a record of this when he sobers up. Um, and he... Um, and he signs the contract. And at that point, I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Paige is going to do something like, uh, oh, I'm not really drunk. I know what's going on. Or have, you know, like maybe a, a, a reveal. But instead, I know he was drunk, but he came across as a bit of an idiot. I don't know what you thought about this. I know it's about big money, Matt. But I think Paige as a character just looked a bit stupid. Well, yeah, they, they, they tried. I don't I know. I, I think... They're trying to make him look like he was drunk, he was stupid, he didn't know what he was doing. I think this is all uh, Hangman Page setting up Matt Hardy. Maybe he, he he signed it, but he really didn't sign his name. He put some other body's name. It could go that route, or he could be uh, in a situation where he doesn't want to be with Matt Hardy because he signed his contract while he was drunk, and the Dark Order is trying to rescue him out of uh, Matt Hardy's you know grasp. And now you have Private Party and Matt Hardy feuding with the Dark Order. I mean, there's a lot of 
you know, stuff here, a lot of material to work with, you know? Um, yeah, and it kind of happened. We were kind of waiting for it, and then all of a sudden, it kind of, you know, happened on this episode. You're thinking, oh, I wasn't really ready. I don't know if I was ready for that kind of thing. Or it's obviously they're building up towards Revolution, but with but, that kind but, of take, but, but it's out now. Yeah, but it's, it's great, though, because it's like when you saw Matt Hardy – uh, trying to team up with uh, Hangman Page, you, you saw it coming. You already knew that Hardy was going to find some way or the other to try to get Hangman Page to be part of his group. Now, the question is, uh, I know their private party was, <laughs> I know one of the, uh, I think it was in BTE, I don't remember what I say. are you playing us? Are you are you having an affair? It's like you're having an affair with another wrestler. Are you? We're number one priority. So by him being greedy, can there be an implosion there where these guys feel, well, wait a minute, you're supposed to be taking care of us. Why are you worrying about Hangman Page? So that's another shit. It's so many stuff there that could happen. Dark Order might try to rescue Hangman Page. Party uh, Party may not be happy that Hangman Page isn't part of the group. And I know Hangman Page Private Party had issues in the past before uh, he lost the tag team belts with, uh, with Omega. So... Again, AEW is about long-term booking, so I, I like I said, I'm enjoying this. Well, we see Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting, uh, Taz and Will Hobbs interrupt saying they have a passenger and they're going on a road trip to FTW World. The camera pans with arcs of Ryan Cage zipping Darby Allen in a body bag tied behind the car. They drive off. Sting gives chase, and we go to a break. And this makes your point of Sting protecting Darby Allen in his championship match. Well, he's not even going to protect him in the car park. So. Um, did it make let me ask you did it make sense to you that segment no <laughs> it, it didn't because you waited almost close to an hour and a half to for you to then interview sting and then they show him they showed team taz dragging darby allen in a body bag and i'm saying wait a minute you could have done this in the first match, you gotta have him beat up, put him in a body bag, and drag his ass down the park. Well, you know, and then Sting may try to save him, but they waited for almost an hour and a half. So something in there didn't make sense. Who, whoever decided to do this segment or whatever, it, it didn't make sense. This is why I got disappointed in the beginning because then it made me even more disappointed when I saw that part where now this guy is getting dragged in a body bag and Sting's trying to save him. But how are you going to save him? He's getting dragged in a parking lot. You know? So it makes no sense. Thing, or, or even have Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting after the match, after Darby Allen's defended, and have him taking Darby Allen away, you know, and Sting going, oh, hang on a minute, Tony, I was talking to you, and they've just taken him. But instead, anyway, yeah. um, back for commercial, we see footage from Kenny Omega earlier today being interviewed on the golf course. Um and we see, like I said, the uh, Don Callis like putting the ball pass. in the hole. For, uh, yeah. For, well, yeah, but Don Callis was putting the ball in the hole for Kenny Omega because Omega was saying what a great shot that was. And he looked round and, like he said, the invisible hand was uh, doing his job for him. <laughs> uh, and then we get Thunder Rose getting invisible <laughs> hand. Uh, Thunder Rose getting their promo and then at her entrance, and she says she hears to win the WA title back and take Britt Baker out. And we get Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship Tournament. Uh, quickly, AEW has announced that the Japanese side of the AEW Women's Total Eliminator Tournament will air on YouTube. And it came out uh, on Monday. 
as you're listening to this now. All four matches, Yuki Sakazaki versus Mai Saruga, Vini versus Emi Sakura, Maki Ito versus Ryo Mizuma, and Aya Kong versus Rin Kadukuka will take place on the same broadcast. Bruna Deeb versus Rio in Rio's first uh, match in 11 months. But back to this, we saw Hirsch uh, last time out. She was quite impressive, but unfortunately, this is all about Rosa, who uh, put her feet up, deadly Slayer for the powerbomb, scoop lift, and a set-out Michinoku driver gets the victory. Uh, not a bad match, bigger ones ahead, but I think Thunder Rosa impresses me every time I see her. Yeah, Thunder Rosa, uh, I always say, and when she's in that ring, she knows what she's doing. She knows the psychology of the uh, of the match. Um, Leila Hirsch, she's pretty good. She's well-grounded and everything, but she still, um, I think her timings was a little off. Maybe probably, again, maybe the chemistry wasn't 100%, but the match was pretty good. I mean, there was one part, I know Layla went up the rope, and I think she went for, I think, a moonsault. And Thunder Rosa went to hit her, and she took off from the ropes. And I was like, okay, there goes the bodge. But you know what? As the girl, I mean, as they get used to each other, as far as wrestling each other, they'll get better. The match wasn't bad at all. I mean, it wasn't like, oh my God, she did a bodge. It's horrible. It was pretty good. I mean, I expect I got Thunder Rosa winning the whole the whole thing. So unless something happens and she meets up Britt Baker in the finals or the semifinals. And she loses. Um, I don't see anybody there. Probably Serena Deves maybe maybe one of the maybe one of the top four in the USA side. I don't want to see Riho win nothing. I'm sorry. But <laughs> that woman should not be in that tournament on the American side. I'm sorry. They're playing favoritism and I don't like it. Um, we get Tony Schiavone doing a sit-down interview with Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. The good news is Marco Stunt is okay after FTR kidnapped him last week. There is a sure lot of kidnappings in AEW at this moment in time, but he's yeah. fine. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Dax Harwood says um, uh, he's told that it changed him, uh, and he wants to look in the eyes and get the chance, and he's going to make Harwood his bitch. Um, which, again, they're building up uh, Perry, which is the right thing to do. And then we get commentary hyping up next week's matches, as well as tonight's main event, which is Kento and Kenny Omega uh, versus John Moxley and Lance Archer. Uh, Don Callis on commentary for this one. Omega's ring introduction is great. The devil is in the detail. There's not a more obnoxious ring announcement on his way to the ring. But it, it's given you as well, which I quite like. Yeah, yeah. Omega, I mean, it's funny because the girls come out with the broomstick. And when they start Omega's um, theme song, and they offbeat, it makes me laugh. I'm like, they shouldn't be, because they come in with this like, uh, like, like, uh, so Michael Jackson beat, right? A thriller type, and then they go and put Omega's song, and the girls still moving to the to the first beat. So it's hilarious. It, it is annoying, especially the part where he keeps saying North Carolina, and I'm still trying to figure out why they talk about North Carolina. But um, but uh, you know Omega does it because he you know he knows that people people are gonna get mad and they're gonna get annoyed. But that's his job. He's a heel. He's gonna that is his job. He's making you pissed off and annoying, and you can't stand his his entrance. He's doing his job. Uh, like I said earlier, Moxley with belt over his shoulder again just looks right. But Kenta blindsides Moxley with the IWGP United States event briefcase at the jump this was a crazy match we see kenta hitting the gts on peter avalon on the outside during it we go into Poor a kitchen kent oh, no just what was he doing just sitting there oh, no, uh, he, was, he, had Mo- the, he had the red velvet 
couch on the floor. I was like, what the hell is he doing? And then he got he, he was put to sleep. And then Moxley <laughs> went on to there as well and took a little dive. Uh, we see them going to the kitchen. Kent with a DDT on Moxley on the steel table. You see the referee holding the table, but you thought, the, oh, no, it's a DDT on the table. But you're thinking there could be a serious incident here with these two talents on top. Um, we see well, Killer was, was up. killing me. Was what was what I was laughing at was when Moxley got a took a potato and punched um, Kenta in the head with it. That was hilarious. He hit him like twice, and then he looked at the potato and hit him again. <laughs> Wait, that's actually a pretty. First of all, no. Well. The, first of all, the funny part is I didn't even expect the box of potato because Kenta had Moxley on the steel table, and all of a sudden you see a box fly and potatoes flying everywhere. From because Lance Archer threw the box of potato on cancer. That was hilarious. Talk about a potato punch. I you know it's crazy, isn't it? We see a V trigger puts Moxley on the table. Lance and Kenta fight over the announce desk. Lance tells him to scram, power bomb, lift, but Kenta fights out of it, punches, and then a double stomp off the stage and threw John Moxley on the table. Just that incredible. Was that was a crazy, the, crazy bump. Cause he motion took, replay. Yeah, he that was incredible. Yeah, he took Archer out first of all, and then he just ran and took off from the stage and double stomp uh, Moxley. I was like, lucky he didn't break his first of all, he didn't break a rib on, on Moxley and he didn't break his ankle from doing that stomp. That was crazy. What's that? Is it like you've got a really big match in a couple of weeks right? so don't do anything stupid and Kenneth's like sure, and then he just runs and dives. Take out Moxley. See Carl Anderson come running in uh, after the action is breaking down in the ring and counters a choke slam into a gun stun. Jake Roberts hits short arm Larry on Anderson, but Gallows chops the snake down to size. Kenny lines him up off the ropes, but Moxie stops him uh, from whacking with a barbed wire bat. Kenta hits the go to sleep on Mox. Archer lays Kenta out, choke slams them, uh, got the uh, hands around the throat of both of them. They count with knees. Good brother hit the magic killer. Kenny takes the nail pad down off the ropes. V-trigger, they help Omega get Archer up on the shoulders, and then he hits the one-winged angel for the victory. Um, I mean, thoughts on this match. First off, obviously, all have connections with NJPW. Moxley beat Archer for the title. Kenny Omega is the first champion. Uh, this was a great matchup. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you had three three champions, former, uh, well, the current champion, and then you had Two or a former world champion and a guy who's the number one contention for that title. This this was crazy. Like I said, the best funniest part was the, the box of potatoes that popped out of nowhere. And then Moxley hits Kenta with the potato on his head like three times. It was just wild. It was wild. And that's the type that's the type of match you expect when you got a guy like Lance Archer and Moxley teaming together. And Omega you know, he could wrestle any type of wrestling match. Kenta, that was the first time I saw Kenta in a, in a, in a no-holds-bar type match. He did very well. But that goes to show you there's so many, many things that can happen when it comes to that. I mean, the show was, I mean, it started off a little, for me, like I said, a little disappointed with the Darby Allen situation. But the ending was crazy. I um, mean, and and it's, it's going to get wild because uh, right now with the Omega and the Good Brothers, they just raising hell and you got a lot of people joining together something you you never expected lance archer and moxley team up together uh, a year ago you know at this time a year ago uh moxley just took the bell away from uh, from archer so 
you know, um, so it, it was, I mean, overall, the show was great. That main event was great. I mean, everything that I expected, it was a little crazy. Um, but again, as Moxley and Archer are two of my favorites right now. And, you know, and I, and I, and I'm waiting to see more stuff to happen. So overall, the show together, the whole, you got now the, the, now the, uh, Lee Johnson, maybe QT Marshall. That's going to be a storyline that people are probably going to get entertained because, you know, this is a younger guy who just got his first win. And you got a, a trainer who may be jealous, whatever. That's going to be a story. Now you got the handmade pace and Matt Hardy. Dark Order is going to be into that storyline. And then this whole thing with Omega and the Good Brothers, the Young Bucks in a circle. It's, listen, the whole show was great. I can't wait till Wednesday. Well, this is the thing. There's an air of unpredictability on Dynamite at this moment in time uh, that I don't think has been felt on a wrestling show for a long time. I mean, you have, might have to go onto the network to go and watch maybe old night shows um, to kind of get this feeling of you're not really sure what you're going to get, but you know it's going to be good. And who knows what the future holds with the forbidden door open. We'll find out, of course, when we cover AEW Revolution, an important event to cover right now and that's february 13th it's no surrender of course impact wrestling presents the 13th ever no surrender uh what was your excitement level for this event and what match were you most looking forward to because i know you're not a an avid impact watcher uh the match i was really looking for oof, uh let's see i mean I, I i didn't know what was the card i knew the tommy dreamer and the wrist one match what's going to happen so i really i probably was looking forward to that because i wanted to see if tommy was going to do something crazy or 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 rich swan is going to get down and dirty just to get his belt because tommy jr is going to fight you and he's going to fight you his way and if he had to go hardcore to win the match and i mean you know the guy's 51 or 50 whatever it is it's his last hurrah so that probably was one of the matches i was looking forward the Good Brothers with the private party, at, like I said, I didn't, I didn't get to see a lot of the uh, impact last Tuesday, so I was surprised that the the uh, James Storm and Saber was in that match, so it made it more interesting. So I really was looking, to, I wanted to see if private party was going to win the belt, because the private party, you know, private party wins the belt, that of course that would be big because now you got AEW guys coming in taking the bells now they're going to take it to wednesday AEW. so you know again it's this whole forbidden door stuff is it could open so many opportunity and outside of winning the belts from impact that that will be something big well first up uh to watch this even if you don't have subscription you can watch this on the impact app you can see the monthly shows plus the impacts every week uh just the day after it's how i managed to watch it uh, and I do pay a subscription, but you can watch it for free as well for anybody out there who's not sure how to get it. But we start the event, the commentators are Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown started with a Tommy Dreamer promo reflecting on his long career. Still photos and video highlights played as well. He held pictures of his children in wrestling boots. He talked about his injuries and daily pain due to wrestling all these years. He said he was still have to do it all over again because he loves it. He called that this is his last shot and he would try as hard as to be what the fans want him to be. This was a very well done video segment. It made the show seem a little bit more special. Then we see Future Dream right in the building. He said he was inspired by Tom Brady beating a younger rival. What are your thoughts, Primo? The promo was great. I mean, it, it wasn't bad. Kind of shows what Tommy Dreamer has been in, in professional wrestling. The guy's been in professional wrestling for 
30 something years. That's that's incredible. Uh, I remember actually hearing from him back in 1994, if I'm correct. That was the first time I heard about him. Um, and it's, it's a long way. It's a long history. The guys put his body in so much pain. I mean, because he's, he's a hardcore wrestler, you know, and it's the gimmick type of wrestler. The guy that takes the punishment, spills blood, broken ankles, broken this, broken that, you know. And in a way, you got to give him his props because he has put his body uh, so many, so many, um, so much pain just to satisfy the wrestling fans. And, you know, it was it was nice. I liked the, the promo that they did. Yeah, we're about to, uh, we start off our very first match. It's Triple XL, Larry D and Ace Romero uh, and Tenille Dashford with Caleb with a K versus Decay, Black Taurus, Crazy Steve and Rosemary. And Rosemary and Tenille started it off. They tagged out to Taurus and AC Decay. Ran Triple XL out of the ring, but they soon got the advantage over Steve. Tenille tagged in the stomp Steve in the corner before tagging out to AC. Taurus tagged in and went to town on Triple XL with headbutts and clothesline. Taurus got two count on Larry after a Samoan drop. Then Tenille waved a red bullfighter flag and posed his strap Taurus. Larry and Taurus traded dives to the outside and each other. Steve dove over the top rope onto both. Rosemary blocked AC from doing the same. Tenille kicked Rosemary to the outside. AC threw Tenille over the top rope onto the group. That was a big risk for Tenille. Then we see Rosemary spraying green mist in Ace's face. Taurus pinned Larry in the ring after a power slam. Your winners decay in eight minutes. Uh, what were your thoughts on that match? Okay. The match was – the bat, for a match to start off a show, it was pretty decent. The only thing I think they, they did was the high-risk maneuver. Now, if you saw the match, uh, Ace Romero went and kind of powerbombed uh, Tenille Dashwood to the group. And I think she mustered her, her her elbow because you heard the announcers like, look at her elbow, look at her elbow. And you could tell either she dislocated her elbow or because she hit a part of the the lights on the, on, the, on the ramp. And I'm like, you know, you shouldn't be taking risks like that, especially for a match like that. Um, overall, the match was decent. I was very impressed with Black Taurus. Um, Crazy Steve, to me, that guy has improved so much from the time that and I first saw him years ago when he was part of uh, uh, Decay with, with, with Abyss. And um, so it was decent. It was much, I think the opening match was way better than the one in Hard to Kill. Uh, this was much, was much better, though. Oh, well, this is a good opener. All action with some comedy thrown in. Black Tories, like I said, looked like a monster. I am not a fan of Triple XL. Not because I think they're a heavy machinery ripoff. I just think, uh, I don't know which one it is, just looks increasingly unhealthy. And they might yeah, have Ace to actually Romero. do something about it. Yeah, that is not a good look, <laughs> is it? No, it's not. Cause I, I, remember, I remember seeing Ace Romero up here in New York, House of Glory. And I'm like, dude, that's not even healthy. You don't look healthy. And it's scary. I mean, because... But, you know, this is their gimmick, and then they probably feel if they change the gimmick, it's not going to work for them. It'll be just a regular. But I think I think Ace Romero's move on Tennille Dashwood was kind of reckless. That was uh, Whoever came up with that, that was kind of reckless. But what I think is reckless as well, like to talk about, you know, they won't work if they were called Excel, I suppose. But um, the, the thing is with Tennille Dashwood is that I look at her and I see a star, and I think, why are Impact putting her in this position yes it's a spot on the card but it's kind of isn't it really you know they, they don't think highly about her and i tell you that because this is the second pay-per-view that she is in the the start 
of a uh, the opening of a pay per view. You know, last time it was her with Kalen with a K, whatever, against uh, Decay. Uh, I forgot. I think it was Crazy Steve and Rosemary. Now this this one was a three uh, six man tag. We had Black Taurus, and and I understand you're trying to introduce Black Taurus now into a pay per view, but it's like all you did was change her tag team, and that was Triple X Triple XL. So um, I don't know. They don't respect Tino Dashwood, but you know what? She chose to be there, and I don't even think she has a contract. She just she's in there uh, pay per show. You know what I'm saying? So you know she shows up, they pay her because she didn't really sign. Well, when she came to Impact a couple of years ago, and she was the one um, who started uh, feuding with Valkyrie, um, she was in a, a, a signed contract, and she left Ring of Honor, uh, and she was part of the Bloodline, whatever it was, with all the guys from New Japan. So, I mean, uh, to me, I don't think she's not going to go far there. Uh, she needs to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's a bit weird the way they're doing it, and I think she's a great talent. I like Decay and the theme song as well, especially with Matt Stryker. I kind of getting into the details a couple of weeks ago on Impact about kind of what it meant. Uh, out of five, though, I'm going to give that three and a quarter out of five to start. Yeah, I'll give it a three. I'm not, giving, I'm not even giving you the quarter. I'll give it a three. <laughs> for, that bat, uh, for that bat, <laughs> for that bad power bomb that you nearly killed, broke the girl's elbow. That's horrible. Uh, Prediction-wise, Dovinar went decay, uh, so we're one for one at this moment in time. Poll-wise, decay got 78% of that. We then see Striker and D-Lo appearing on camera running down the matches for the show. Then we get a video on Brian Myers, Eddie Edwards feud. And then, of course, Brian Myers and Hernandez versus Eddie Edwards and Matt Cardona to start. Um, Myers wearing an eye patch squared off red to start the match. Cardona tagged in, but Myers immediately tagged out to Hernandez without touching Cardona. Edwards Cardona tried to double team Hernandez, but he clotheslined them both. Myers took to the outside. Edwards got clotheslined. Edwards worked on by the hills, and then Hernandez exposed the turnbuckle. We see Edwards suplexed uh, Hernandez, Cardona, and Myers tagged in and go around wild on both of them. Myers hit a tiger drive for a two count. All four wrestlers got in the ring and mixed it up. Cardona hit a Frankenstein off the top rope of Myers for a two count. Cardona missed a move and hit the exposed turnbuckle by accident. Myles clotheslined him for the victory at 10 minutes. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? This match was decent. I mean, I'm surprised to see Hernandez still with Impact. Um, and then they got him teaming up with um, Myers. Myers looks so much way better than when he was in WWE with that horrible gimmick he had where he was losing every single match he had like a streak or whatever and it looks like you look at him now he looks like he has had a new fresh of air um you know brought inside of him he looks great he looks it's, it's it's a whole different look it's just incredible um my cardona of course mark cardona um it, it was great seeing him in the ring with mike uh with myers because they were former tag team World WWE Tag Team Champions, the Edgeheads back in the days. Um, so it was good to see them across the ring from each other. Um, I mean, Eddie Edwards also. I mean, you know, Eddie Edwards is Eddie Edwards. You can't, you know, you're not, you're not. The guy's going to bring you good matches. But Hernandez and Myers, they pretty much control most of the match. I mean, it wasn't until Cardona came in, did his offense, um, and the match was pretty good. I mean, it was nice to see. Actually, I was glad and happy 
Not only to see Hernandez still in there, it could probably still be a big superstar one day in there, but watching Myers, uh, formerly known as Kerr Hawkins, doing so good now, and just with the swag he has, I was happy for him. Well, I think, you know, like you talk about there, you know, with Hernandez, the storyline's paying off for him, kind of getting paid off. He's a impact or TNA legend, as it was. Myers is someone who's come there, and obviously... Uh, we'll get behind you if, you know, you'll get behind us, so to speak. And he, like I said, looks motivated. Uh, I was looking forward to this one. Obviously, the eye patch wasn't over the eye sometimes. You know, depth perception is a little bit difficult in the world of wrestling sometimes. But um, the exchange between Myers and Cardona were class. I'm looking forward to hopefully a singles match between the two. Uh, what are you going to score that out of five? I'll give it, uh, I, I give it a four. That match was pretty decent. It wasn't bad. I mean, the the guys followed up as far as whatever storyline they were trying to tell. Um, and, and, you know, Eddie Edwards took most most of the punishment in that, in that match. And like I said, Myers looked great. I mean, his heel turn, whatever it is he's doing now, is good. It fits him so well. I mean, um, I was you know what's funny? I was waiting for Hernandez to do his little whistle that he usually does when he was with LAX, but he didn't. So... He used to do this little whistle every time he used to do a move or whatever. Like he was in the in the in the in the in Compton in South uh, in California. But it's good, like I said, to see to see him in action. Uh, I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. Uh, prediction wise, I went Cardona and Edwards, so I'm one out of two. But it's nice to know they value Myers more, which is pleasing to see uh, yeah. in the long term with that. Poll wise, Hernandez and Myers got 55 percent of the vote. Up next, Matt Hardy backstage promo. Hardy hyped up Private Party and said that this was their night. Private Party were confident. Hardy said they would win the Impact Tag Belts tonight and never come back. We get a video package of Violent by Designs feud with Cousin Jake. And then it's Jake something versus Dina with Eric Young and Joe Doring. Uh, Jake is no longer billed as Cousin Jake. is now called Jake something, which, of course, uh, he's used before in Impact. He had something on his trunks and his entrance video. He took out Dina early. Dina rolled out to consult with Eric Young. Overpowered Dina, and on the outside, Young applied a net break on Jake, then rolled him back in. Dina had the advantage. Uh, Young punched Jake from ringside. Dina continues his assault. There was a nice spike on the second turnbuckle. I think a move I've not seen. Uh, oh yeah, that was that. That was nuts. Mm, that was you know when you see a move, you go, "Whoa, actually, have I?" Yeah, yeah, because you know, he had your brain he, sucks. <laughs> yeah, he had his arms locked on the side and then his neck jamming between the buckle. Then he drop kicked his rear. I was like, "What the hell?" You know, that that was a sick move. Uh, Jake finally made a comeback and fired up and hit a series of moves on Dina. Dina rebounded with a net breaker on Jake. They battled on the top rope. Jake landed a dive off the top to take out Young and Doring. And then Jake hit a black hole Sam on Dina for the pin. Young and Doring immediately jumped Jake after the match and Doring powerbombed him through the table. You'll win a Jake something in 10 minutes. Uh, what are your thoughts? That match, not for nothing, but I think that match stole the show, the whole, the whole show. I think it, it was a decent match. Um, Diener looked like he was the more, um, he was the more violent wrestler in there as far as, you know, his moves, all that. And, and he was the quicker guy in there. Um, the ending of the match was good. I see Jake. I mean, it was funny cause I remember it was cousin Jake the last time I saw him wrestle and now it's Jake something. So I see Jake, um, probably having a few with Joe Doring. Um, and especially after where they put him through the table, um, I could see that happen. That's going to be a good match. And two big guys going at it. 
The match was decent. I think that match was the match of the night, the, the whole pay-per-view. That's that's my opinion on that. It was, I mean, I was like, after watching that match, I, I said, let me see the rest of the pay-per-view, see if it's going to outclass this match for now. Uh, that Diener versus Jake something was was the number one match of the whole pay-per-view, in my opinion. What are you, what are you going to give out of five? Uh, I give that a four and a half. That was a decent match. It was pretty good. Um I've not seen much of Impact, so I didn't know if this was a big deal or not, but it didn't really feel like it. Um, you, you get the victory, but a beat down afterwards, so you know you hope something comes from this. But it looks like maybe Dina will be the guy fed to uh, the people who are then jobbed out to Do-Ring, who's treated as a monster, maybe. Uh, like I said, we have to see how it develops. I didn't think it was a bad match. It was a bad really. match for you? No, no, it wasn't a bad match. Like oh, I said, it wasn't, wasn't a bad match. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Sure>. what? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I said, I think maybe I was missing something of it. I'm going to give that a three and a quarter out of oh, five. Oh, wow. Three and a quarter. Um, yeah, no, it's just it wasn't, uh, you know, it's two guys doing the work. But it's maybe annoyed because of predictions I went Dina. So maybe I was annoyed by that. And then I thought, well, you know, if Dina's not getting the victory, then putting them through a table afterwards is, is quite a... Uh, you know, easy way around it, so to speak. But hey, that's why we're here, you know, to agree and disagree. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I figure, I figure the, the last pay per view, there was a tag team match. If I'm correct, I think they didn't they get the victory. No, they lost. They, they lost that because they, I think, Diener teamed up with Rhino. Not um, Jake teamed up with Rhino and, and Tommy Dreamer. So and they lost that match. So I think this match now him having him one on one. With Diener, I think it was. I mean, it was pretty decent. I mean, I don't know, but now we could now we could look forward to him probably going at it with Joe Doran. Maybe a better match between them two, or it could be good, or it could be bad. So exactly, uh, this is the thing, and it's just to see if they can uh, what they're doing with Diener. If they're gonna just you know have him as a guy well, kind of get beat or play, you know. But they're gonna have to get somebody because it's three on one. So you're gonna have this guy fending off three guys. And then you're going to have to bring somebody, either somebody and nobody expect come in to impact to help them. I mean, the question is, who could it be? Because right now it looks like the next challenger that Jake is going to face is Joe Doring. And but he's still got a three on one. So unless uh, who's going to help him? That's that's the, that's that's how I'm looking at it. You know, because yeah. he got John, but, put him through a table. Now he's going to face Doring probably in the next pay-per-view or whatever it is. It's still a three or one. Who's going to help him? Yeah, and hopefully, I, I do like Violent Bites, but the name was quite cool last time out. So, you know, there's a potential there uh, yeah. to kind of move on with it. Uh, poll wise, Dina got 55% of the polls. And backstage, Eddie and Alicia Edwards presented the gift bag to Tommy Dreamer for his birthday. Eddie wished him luck and said he was glad to call him a friend. She, uh, Alicia gave him a hug as well. Really, really nice. And then up next, Trey Miguel versus Blake Christian versus Suicide versus Chris Bay versus Davari versus Josh Alexander versus Willie Mack versus Ace Austin. The winner gets an X Division title shot in the very first ever triple threat revolver match. Uh, we see Trey, Blake and Suicide style off. It was fast paced and all three traded moves. He actually spilled to the outside with Christian diving over the top rope and taking Suicide out. Uh, and then we see nice uh, Suicide to land on Trey. That was a really nice exchange as well. Yeah. Suicide eventually tapped out to the leg lock from Trey and was eliminated. But I think Suicide impressed in that opening little bit there. Yeah, Suicide did. But, I mean, the guys that he was in there in that ring are two of the future of wrestling. I mean, Blake Christian, that guy, 
I see him everywhere. New Japan, Ring of Honor. I mean, he's going to give you a nice little match. And Trey Miguel, I was happy to see him, that he's still with Impact instead of going to NXT. Um, so he showed a lot, a lot of ability. You know, and, and this is what I'm saying. I got to start watching Impact because I, I was very impressed with his skills and, and how he's, you know, he moves and and, and, I, and that leg lock he put on Suicide. I wasn't expecting him to tap. I saw him tapping. I'm like, did he just tapped? Because I didn't expect Suicide to tap. But it was, you know, uh, it's Suicide. I don't know if I can get behind that guy, whoever's under that hood. You know, but I mean, suicide could still wrestle, whatever. But how many guys has been on the suicide um, um, yeah. hood? Um, it's been so many, so you don't know who that was. That I mean, but he looked good though. He looked good, but you know, I was surprised that he got—he was the first one eliminated. Part of me still hopes it's Christopher Daniels underneath the mask. Uh, anyway, next in was Chris <laughs> Bay. He dominated the action until Christian started getting the upper hand. There was a nice double Rana in there as well. Spanish fly to Trey on the outside by Christian, and then Bay hit the vertebrae break on Christian uh, for the pin to eliminate him. That was nice for the birth Bay boy. Um, then we get Davari in next. He is in- incredible. I mean, you know, there's an old English expression, built like a brick shithouse, and that is definitely what Davari <laughs> was. <laughs> built like a brick shithouse. I've never seen that. i never heard that. This is, I guess, you know, I'm going to learn a lot from you. <laughs> <laughs> Build like a brick shit house. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I was very surprised that Davari still looks that good. And it, it and I said it yesterday on my uh review on my podcast. Davari, last time I saw Davari Impact was like 2007, something like that. He had just got let go from WWE and now he's I'm surprised that he's wrestling in Impact and he also wrestling in Major League Wrestling. So he's part of the He's part of country unit in Major League Wrestling. So, but I'm like, I'm looking at him. I'm like, wow, he's in great shape. This guy's got to be like in his 40s. He looks great. Um, I mean, I, the only thing I didn't like was that he didn't, that he didn't stood long in the match. So I don't know why. Oh, that's what I say. Yeah, it he just felt long. like he came in on show. Yeah, he's still like probably three minutes, maybe probably less. I mean, if that, yeah. Well, this is literally what I've got for it. Like, Bay and Tavari squared off. Tavari beat the crap out of him. Trey was still on the floor. Then Trey hit the Meteora on Tavari for the pin. So it was kind yeah. of job done there, wasn't it, you know? Yeah, like, I was like, so why you brought him in if you're going to have him there in two minutes? I mean, he looks good. But, you know, um, that one was a surprise for me. Like, okay, you brought him in. I expected him to be longer. You know, Chris Bay, that dude is just... That guy's that guy's another guy in the future. I mean, and I hope Impact keeps him and hold on to him because that guy is gonna be big. Without a doubt. Uh we see Josh Alexander in the match next. Alexander dominated the action for a while, including suplexing Bay, while Trey was still holding on to his back. That was brilliant. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Listen, I never seen anybody do something like that. He was he had him in a sleeper hole. I just wanted all your fans to realize it. If you haven't seen um, No Surrender, he had him. Trey Miguel had Josh Alexander on a sleeper hole on his back. He grabs the next opponent, or I think it was Blake Christian or whoever it was, and he suplexed him while Trey Miguel was on his back. It was sick. It was sick. You got to see this. This this match was great. This match was yeah. really great. Yeah. 
like I say, it was a lovely exchange. And then we see with Josh and Bay, we see a torture rack spinning the right round, and Josh made Bay submit to the ankle lock. And Chris Bay, at that point, I was, you know, I was going, well done, son. That's a great, great performance in this match. But it still continued because Willie Mack was next. He ran wild and trained Alexander and hits trademark moves. Mack and Alexander trade moves back and forth. We see a tower doom, which is really nice. Then Trey hit another Meteora whilst Willie held Josh and uh, pinned Mac, which again is another move I was going, I might have seen that before, but again, really innovative offense for all of yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, he did, I think, um, Trey Miguel did the double knee on somebody, I think, in the beginning of the match. But that part where it looked like Willie Mac was about to do a fallaway slam on, on, on Josh, and then you see Trey Miguel come out of nowhere for the top row, but hands it with a double knee for him to get pinned by by both guys i mean um my thing is i think willie mack um he has so much potential and i i don't understand why impact doesn't push him much uh a little higher than what he is right now um it wasn't he exhibition champion at one point if i'm correct yeah, i think so as well yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think so i don't remember but i think but i mean they're looking at it. I guess they're looking at the fact that look, you got Trey Miguel and then you got Josh Alexander, which you're not gonna have this guy get pinned. This guy is like a monster. So I mean, but it was it, it was it was something I didn't expect. I thought he was gonna do the four way slam on Josh, but then I see Trey Miguel jumping off the top rope and hits him with a double knee on his shoulder and gets pinned. I was like, well, there goes Willie Mack. It's <laughs> well, Ace, Ace Austin was the final entrant and he dominated the action initially. Trey and Alexander eventually covered and made comebacks. We got a nice reverse runner from Trey. We then hit a renovated rope assisted cutter for a two count. Um, the way he moves in the ring is, is just incredible. Trey and Ace to the outside and squared off in the ring. Trey took out Alexander on the outside. Alexander made his way back in the ring and took on Ace and Trey by himself. Alexander has Ace in an ankle lock, but Ace got out of it. Alexander got a pile driver on Ace for the pin and the win at 23 minutes. Um, we talk about thoughts on this. What are your thoughts on that match? The, listen, the whole match was pretty good. Um, I have no complaints of the match itself. I got one beef, which I'm going to bring up. But first of all, Josh Alexander becoming the number one contender. The X Division, he better win that belt. He better win that belt. Because I know he has another three months left before his contract is over. Um, And I'm sure that once his contract expired there's a lot of other promotions that are going to want to bring him in for what you know what he brings to the table second my beef is why in the world was ace austin in this match when the guy won the super x cup that makes him automatic number one contention am i right or wrong well the thing is i watched that event for three hours and he didn't win any. He didn't get awarded anything. They didn't give him a title shot in the end. They, it was for no reason that he won that match. Yeah. The funny thing is, that my thing is, if you, the last time I remember, the Super J, uh, Super X Cup, if you win that, you become the number one contender for the X Division belt. You know, that's why it's called Super X Cup. But the last paper we saw him, he came in the ring, and that's when Matt Cardona showed up. Um, he had the Super X Cup in his hand. And he wasn't even in the match between TJ, uh, TJP and um, Bay and uh, Rohit, right? So yeah. you waste time. You wasted time with him just 
going in there and getting pinned like or get disqualified within two three minutes. Here he is in a match where the first thing that came into my mind was, okay, why is Ace Austin on this match? And the winner of this gets the number one contention when Austin won the Super X Cup a couple of uh, a month ago, or two months ago, whatever it was. Why is he not the number one contender? So you see what I'm saying? It's like the storyline. This, this is what drove me crazy whilst I was watching the actual show, you know, as in the Exhibition Cup. And Matt Striker is going, well, of course, the winner of this doesn't get a shot, but maybe he can talk to management about, you know, getting an opportunity down the line. And I thought, well, what's the point in that? So he did all that, you know, won it. Uh, exactly. And so then two months later, have an event. It's the logic. It's the logic. These, some, some of these companies don't keep. If you're going to follow a storyline to the T, then why have a tournament for a bunch of guys to wrestle for it, but then later on, then have them, you know, wrestle again for the number one contender? It's, it's the same thing right now, and I don't want to bring WWE to the fold, but it's uh, the same thing. Right now, they're doing the Elimination Chamber in WWE, but they have the Miz in the Elimination Chamber. Whoever wins that becomes number one contender to the title, but why you got the Miz if you got the trof- uh, the case that sh- automatically makes them the number one contender? So it's like, I sometimes feel Impact does almost the same thing that WWE does. Like, you don't stay to the, to the story. Like, why have a guy go through all this nonsense? You promote the Super super X Cup, and then the guy has to be in a, in a, in a triple six revolver match for, for whatever reason. It, like I said, it's the equivalent of winning the Rumble, not getting a title shot at WrestleMania, and then having to go into the chamber match and winning it. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Exactly. But anyway, Talk about the bad stuff, Impact. Do the good stuff is like you talked about. Chris Bay is the future. Trey Miguel is the future. Ace Austin yeah. is fantastic. Josh Alexander again. It makes sense him actually winning this, and he's got me every week. I don't know if you're gonna agree with me, but do you think Ace Austin should have been a world champion by now? I I, I feel with Ace Austin, he's he's got everything about him, and why they're not maybe using him more is it makes you start thinking about contracts. Yeah, and I mean. And put it this way, if they don't push this kid, okay, and, and, and mind you, again, I don't watch Impact like I like I used to, but I seen Ace Austin wrestling Impact, I seen Ace Austin wrestling MLW, and the guy is money. And if you don't push these guys who are under your contract at the moment, WWE is gonna be knocking at the door. And say, hey, you want to be popular, you want to be known, come to NXT. And then you go, here you lose another wrestler that could have brought you money, could have brought you more eyes to the product, and now you're losing a guy like Ace Austin to either NXT or AEW or WWE, whatever the case may be. Right, exactly. And this was a great match, though. They went face instead of heel. Uh, out of five, I'm going to give this a four and a quarter. What are you giving it? Yeah, same thing, about four, four and a quarter. I mean, it was pretty good. You know, um, the like again, the only thing that I got disappointed was the fact that number one, Ace Austin did not win it. Two, Austin is in a number one contender's gimmick match. Why? And I mean, and I was happy that Josh Alexander won because, but then again, if Josh Alexander won this triple six revolver, whatever it's called, and he doesn't get the title, then that's a waste of time. You, you're going to lose the guy. You're going to lose him because his contract is up in May. So if you give yeah. him the belt, if you give him the belt, then that means that you want to sign him. You want to keep him around. So you have to put the belt on him because right now he's wrestling by himself. Ethan Page is no longer with the company. 
Well, prediction was on that, uh, I went Ace Austin four at this moment in time. That is terrible. Poll wise, Chris Bay got 47%, so the people didn't do much better. We get a video package of Fire and Flavor versus Havoc and uh, Navarra feud playing, and then we, of course, get the match. Uh, it's Fire and Flavor, Kira Hogan, Tasha Stills versus Havoc and Navarra. Impact Wrestling Knockouts total on the line. This match was no DQ. All four wrestlers squared off and threw punches at the start. Havoc tossed Akira around and screamed. Kira dropped Havoc in the corner. Ball in a chair, set up in the corner. See Kira hit Navarra and Havoc with a kendo stick and took out both. Navarra fought uh, Kira and Tasha by herself but was overcome. Havoc recovered and fought Kira and Tasha. Havoc double suplexed both of them and continued to fight them in the ring. Havoc accidentally ran the chair into the chair she set up earlier. Tasha hit a cutter, Navarra for the pin. And after the match, uh, Navarra walked out on Havoc. Your winners uh, after nine minutes, Kira Hogan and Tasha Stills. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, this match, uh, I wasn't too crazy about it because it's like I was watching, I was watching the same match from last pay-per-view, but they just, you know, just added a stipulation. First of all, there's a, uh, this tag team of fire and flavor, they need to uh, be on point because, uh, and I say that because at one, at one point steel brings in a chair and doesn't use it. Instead, Harry takes the belt of the chair away from her, punches her and lodges it in the, in the, in the corner, which doesn't make sense to me. That part, I was like, okay, that, that makes no sense. The next one was when, um, uh, I think it was, Hogan came in with a candlestick, right? She comes in the, with a candlestick. Instead of using the candlestick to stop the pinfall, she doesn't. I mean, still had to get out of it. And then she used the candlestick. So that shows me right there that these two tag teams, they wrestle already hard to kill for the for the tournament, right? Now they wrestle again. It looks like their chemistry is not there, you know? And I didn't think much about this match either because I had a feeling that, Havoc and Nove was gonna lose, and I mean, I I, I was kind of surprised that Nove walked out on Havoc and let Havoc like wonder what what happened, you know. But I I mean, I just watched it because I watched it, but I'm not, I wasn't too crazy about it. Well, my thoughts on this is that Impact have just brought back the women's tag team division, so it'd be interesting to see what's next for Fire and Flavor. They obviously brought it back and got a plan because otherwise that would just be crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But Fire and Flavor. Uh, still need a little bit of work. They definitely have it, but they just need to be kind of, you know, molded and just like you said, a little bit more, um, you know, a bit more psychology and work on there. But they, they've definitely got potential. Uh, like you said, uh, with Havoc Navaya, that'll be like another interesting wrinkle to it. It wasn't a bad match. Picked up towards the end. I'm going to give it a, a three and a quarter out of five. What are you scoring it? I give it a three. I give it a three. They're lucky. I give it a three. I think that the problem was also the size. These uh, havoc and Nevea was way taller than these young ladies' uh, fire and flavor. So I think that's another problem when you have an oversized woman wrestling a, a chick who probably weighs 110, 20 pounds, and, and it, it some of the moves may not come out sharp. So that pretty probably throws off the match too. But I'll give it a three. Uh, prediction wise, uh, I went fire and flavor, so two for five. Poll wise, fire and flavor got 78%. We see GM in an interview and Rich Swan backstage. Swan talks about his title match tonight. He's delighted he wouldn't have to deal with Moose. He 
He said he gave Jim a title shot for a gift, but he wouldn't give him the gift of new teeth after his teeth get kicked out. Then we said video package of Rahit versus TJ P feud. And of course, we were on to the X Division title match. Next, Rahit attacked TJP at ringside before the bell then threw him into the ring. Rahit rolled TJP back in, but got drop kicked off the top rope for his trouble, but drove on Shearer, did TJP. They continued to fight on the floor. The bell finally rang after a couple of minutes of action. TJP took over with punches, Rahit reversed a DDT attempt and then took himself. We see TJP making a comeback and did a modified Boston Crab boss who's on the ropes. He missed a splash. TJP and Rahit traded the advantage. TJP suplex for a hit, but Mr. Splash got caught in submission. But TJP reversed that into a knee bar. They traded the advantage until TJP landed his mumba splash after he'd been trying it once, twice, and then three times is a charm for the pin and victory at 12 minutes. Uh, what were your thoughts on this matchup? This ma- this matchup was good because there was a lot of counter moves. Uh, Roche, he was like, you know, he was just like wanted to pin TJP at any cost necessary. The only thing that I had to question was, okay, you have Rohit or attack TJP, and the referee did not ring the bell. So I'm like, say, okay, he didn't ring the bell, but once he throws him inside the ring, the bell still don't ring. Then they go back outside, and I, you know, oh, they we can't bring the bell onto both athletes on a neutral corner. And I'm like, since when? Since when this happened in wrestling? I rarely never heard of those rules. You know, usually a wrestler will attack and then they bring them inside the ring. Once they're inside the ring, the bell rings. The bell within ring. And I'm like, that was the only, I think, negative uh, negative part about that that didn't make sense in the beginning. But as the match progressed, uh, both guys um, really, really did a lot of good moves. And it was a lot of counter moves, whatever. Um, I thought at one point, bro, he was going to win the match. I mean, because he, he had the advantage. He had the guy outside. And um, but TJP he had a he had a hard time beating him with one arm. So the match was pretty decent. It wasn't bad. Yeah, these two men did click. Rohit brought it here tonight. I think with uh, his performance, I think he was really really on show. I like TJP, but I think his reign is coming to an end soon with all the shenanigans over it. Boiled down to Rohit just not being able to beat TJP again. Not a bad match. Uh, what are you going to give that a five? Uh, I'll probably give him like three and a half, maybe a four. Three and a half, I'll give it. It could have been a little yeah. better. Like I said, the problem is we've just had the uh, the revolver match. We think of all the talent there, then we get this one. We go, there could be a better X Division title match on the line. But again, like I said, for what it was, it was uh, good um, prediction well, uh, wise. Gone. But but let me let me let me and maybe you could agree with me. This I forgot to mention this. Okay, the last pay per view. Remember we talked about how T J uh, uh, Manic got. Uh, unmasked, and you saw it was TJP. Now, my thing was, here's another problem when I feel with Logic, when it comes to Logic booking. If Manic won the X Division champion, right, and then I know Rohit and Chris Bay were like, well, it could be Manic could be TJP, won the same person, right? And I remember hearing that if they found out it was TJP, Manic was going to get stripped of the belt. Now, his match was taken off and hard to kill. Here I am, I see now TJP walking with the belt without the mask. So I'm like, okay, this don't make no sense. Because if that's the case, the belt should have been vacated and then put it in a three-way and have them wrestle for it. You know? So this well, is another problem. Scott Demore. Uh-huh. I was about to say, Scott Demore has done quite a good job as like the authority figure on Impact. 
when it yeah. comes to kind of, you know, sticking Saban in the um, storm in the match and stuff like this. But this was one of the cases where I was watching Impact and, you know, Rahit says to Scott Demore, well, you knew it was TJ Payne and Mars and, and Scott Demore's just like, yeah, I know, but he's your X Division champ. And again, yeah, it, like you said, it's those little things. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's no, it's no lie. You insulting the, you insult the intelligence of a fan. It's like people are gonna be like, I don't want to watch this because this don't make no sense. You're not making sense. So that was another thing. That's the first thing I said. Wait a minute. Uh, he's without the mask in front of Scott Demore, and I'm like, what? So, and I think the reason it wasn't as good, good of a match it could have been was because the story, the way the storyline is. This is about the third time or second time they wrestle, and this was one not as good as the one they had in Hard to Kill. So, you know, it, you know, you can't, you can't, they can't be doing that. Like, like, you can't have a good match, and then you want to go and, and and redo it again, but differently, and add something else. It doesn't make sense. Uh, prediction was I went TJP, so I'm free for six right now. Polls it ended. 50-50. Then we see Gia Miller interviewing Tommy Dreamer backstage. Dreamer gave an emotional interview, tearing up, talking about how going to match with his father and a girlfriend. He asked how old Gia is, and she says she's 22. He said when he was 22, he was being caned by the Sandman. He teared up and said he wants to give the fans one more Tommy Dreamer moment, and he said, I've still got a couple of more push-ups to do. Um, again, it, they're working Tommy well tonight, aren't they? You know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I said, what what was a Tommy Dreamer moment? <laughs> that was the first thing that came into my head. Like, I don't remember any Tommy Dreamer moments. Uh, I mean, yes, he was a hardcore wrestler. Yes, he did crazy. I think the only the only um, Tommy Dreamer moment that I remember was when Brian Lee choke slammed him right through a bunch of tables in ECW. I was about to say that, and then I was about <laughs> to say what about when he was um, like handcuffed on a cage and he got hit with a chair, but. It's nothing he's doing. <laughs> it's, like... yeah. it's not something to remember. I mean, he, he pretty much almost got assassinated every match. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, move on to our next one. Deanna Pratso and Kimberly and Susan versus Jordan Grace, Jazz and ODB. And ODB and Lee squared off to start with ODB getting the better of it. Grace and Susan tagged in and wrestled. Grace got the best of that exchange. Jazz and Deanna entered next. Jazz got invited with punches. Grace tagged in and dove on Deanna. And Susan on the outside. ODB and Jazz followed up with dives to the outside also. That was quite nice stuff. Back in the ring, Diona works on Grace's arm. Lee and Susan tagged in and out to keep the advantage. Grace finally made a comeback and tagged to ODB. Susan took her jacket off. ODB ripped off Susan's sleeves. She then ran Susan's head into the turnbuckle and got a two count after the Fez Prez. All six wrestlers fought into the ring and traded moves. Susan, Susan poked Jazz in the eye. But then Jazz accidentally hit ODB. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to go one way. Lee dove off the top to the outside, but then Jazz got Susan locked in the SCF for the tap out and the win. So the face is won. Uh, what were your thoughts on that match? Uh, honestly, to be honest, that match should have never happened. I think the only reason they had that match was because you needed to put the women's champion in the show. Um, uh, Deanna Perrazzo is Deanna Perrazzo. Jazz, uh, to me, she still looks good. Just a little bit slow. You can see her age. Uh, she looks like, you know, I mean, she could still do it. Even though she reminded me, those punches she was throwing remind me of Dusty Rhodes. Um, um, but Susan, now my, my thing was this thing that I, I, I didn't mention it. I wrote it on my notes when I was watching the, the match. Susan in the ring, instead of having dress gear, wrestling gear, she has office gear on. And she is horrible 
in that ring. That girl, she doesn't know what she's doing. And this is why I say I think they kind of messed the matchup on that. And then Kim Kimberly um, taking dives from the top of the rope, unnecessary dives. Um, I don't think they need to put this match. Uh, to be honest, they didn't need to put this match at all. I think the reason they did it was because they figured, well, we had to put Deanna Perrazzo in the show. She's our knockouts champion. And um, Jordy and Grace, uh, you know, they got her in these type of wrestling matches. I don't know why. She should be going after the, the knockouts champion. So she, I think she's the number one girl beside Deanna Perrazzo in there. Um, I don't think they need to have this match, to be honest. I, I well, think- I... I thought it was surprising that it didn't kind of start off the show, you know, but I know it's got the women's champion in there, but this did feel a bit like a, a kickoff matchup. But again, I don't think it, it was, it was too bad. You know, it didn't, didn't, it wasn't anything that I got offended with, you know, I mean, uh, just then again, but think about it, think about it. So they had this match, right. And somewhere in the, between the match, either, I think Jordan Grace punched or no, no, it was, um, Jazz by mistake punts Jordan Grace in the in the face because she got thumb in the eye. I said, okay, here we go. Something's gonna happen, but it left me disappointed because you Jordan Grace just punts Jazz in the mouth by mistake, and nothing happens after that. So what was the what was the purpose of that? <laughs> Jazz grabs the submission and gets an easy victory, didn't she? You know, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. I mean, oh, okay. I was impressed that she did the STF. Because a lot of people don't give up to that to that move anymore. Nobody, nobody, you know, uh, gets uh, submitted with that move. You know, like the great Master Chono made that move famous and and made so many guys submit. But you know, um, nowadays they don't they don't even submit to that. But it was nice to see Jazz get the victory. I just didn't get the part of you know um, you had Jordan Grace punch her in the face yeah. or, or, or she punched Jordan Grace in the face. So I figure, okay, here comes the storyline. Nothing happened. Um, again, though, like I said, Jazz looks great. Deanna has impressed in her role, but she needs decent challengers. And I think this is something we're looking at, not only in the women's tag team division, but obviously one-on-one as well. Uh, out of five, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. What are you scoring it? Yeah, and I give it a two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. I can't, I can't, I can't, because it's like, they were doing, I think they were doing the most. They were doing too much, especially the last part where Kim just took off from the top of the turnbuckle to throw herself on top of of all the females. And to me, that's the, that's not a rule breaker move. You know what I'm saying? That's not a heel move. A, 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 a face, baby face would do something like that. And they told her the ending of the match. And again, there was a lot of the stuff, the logic in that match. That's why I say you didn't need, you didn't need it to put it. But because Tiana Perrazzo was in it, you had to showcase the knockout champion. And then if you would have put it in the beginning, then that makes the knockout champion look bad because she's in the first match of the night. So, I mean, damn if you don't, damn if you do. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Prediction-wise, I went face to, so it's 4-7 overall. Polls are 50-50. And then we get video package of the tag team title feud playing out, leading to the co-main event, the Good Brothers versus Private Party versus James Storm and Chris Saban for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team titles. Well, Quinn and Storm started it off. Storm got invited through a hip toss. Cassidy tagged in and got put in an arm lock. Private Party rolled to the outside, consulted with Matt Hardy. Private Party double-teamed Saban in the corner, then Saban and Cassidy traded moves. Saban yelled at Private Party that they had talent, didn't need Hardy. Private Party took over with double-team moves and Saban. Carl Anson tagged in and got double-teamed by Private Party. Gallows tagged himself in and took over punches and kicks on Quinn 
Anderson worked on Quinn's arm. Gallows got a two count on Quinn after a leg drop and another two count after an elbow drop. Anderson worked on the arm. Storm tagged in and went at it with the Good Brothers. Saban and Storm worked on Gallows and Anderson. Private Party double team Saban and worked on Storm. Hardy shouted instructions from ringside. All six wrestlers got the ring and fought. Cassidy DDT'd Gallows. Everyone traded moves. Hardy came in and got a twist of fate on Storm behind the referee's back. Quinn hit a shooting star press on Storm. But then Anderson rolled Quinn off and got the pin himself. Hardy yelled at Private Party afterwards and said they let him down. Your winners after 14 minutes... The good brothers. What are your thoughts on this? That that match was good. It's, it tells us good story because now it, it tells a good story as far as um, now they're gonna run that story in AEW. Now Matt Hardy is disappointed at them. I think it would have been much different. It would have been I think better. It would have just been the Good Brothers versus Private Party alone. But I think if they would have went that route. That think Private Party could have beat the Good Brothers, but then again, if you do that, you kind of mess up the other stories in AEW. Uh, but the match was decent. The match was decent. I mean, and that's the part, that, and that was the part where I had to rewind it or look at the at the replay because I'm like, why is uh, Carl Anderson pinning? Um, um, I think it was James Storm or whoever it was, and I'm like, but he's not the legal man. But then I saw that he softly touched the back of the sneaker of Mark Quinn. And that's like, I say, oh, they, it was, that was a smart move. That was a very, very smart move. I think the match itself was pretty good. It told the story. Um, and it, and now I want to watch what's going to happen. Is Private Party going to come back to Impact and challenge the Good Brothers on one-on-one now? Or it, it, that, that, that was a, a one-and-done stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Good Brothers, of course, they're not going to take those balls away from them, especially they're in a big, big storyline in AEW. Um, so the match was pretty good. Uh, you know, um, I got no complaints about it at all. I mean, it went it went exactly the way it was. You had Chris Sabian trying to, trying to uh, convince uh, one of the private party, look, don't listen to Matt Hardy. You know, you can do it on your own. You know what I'm saying? Then you got Matt Hardy being the the manipulator and all that stuff then you got the good brothers being the good brothers you know and then they you know they're gonna find a way to win no matter what these other guys these like these guys are you know uh, veterans so you know well the thing is i i look at gallows and i think was he always that big because he looks incredible he looks taller he, he looks just, way he just taller looks like now a mountain of a man you know like uh it was great um he trimmed, he trimmed off, down God. yeah i mean like i said he's he's done a lot of work and, yeah. and he looks really good for it, you know? Yeah. Well, you, one, get, you, get, you thing, get older. You get older, you got to lose some weight. You can't be carrying all that weight. Yeah. Well, just ask Big Show. Look how great he looks now. But um, yeah. one thing about tonight well, I noticed, everybody with a manager lost. Hmm. You had you had Rohit, who had uh, his help there, which lost the X Division match. Early on the night, of course, you had uh, Dina losing when he had Eric Young by his side. And this time with Matt Hardy... They lost as well. So, you know, what's the point of a manager? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? You just took the words out of my mouth. And now today, managers don't mean nothing. Managers are just manager. I mean, if you're going to have a manager that's going to interfere, I mean, I don't remember when was the last time. Uh, well, Don Callis was the last one who, who interfered and got somebody a championship. That's when he gave the microphone to uh, Omega. But... Managers don't mean nothing anymore. Managers are just managers, you know. I mean, 
You don't see, I mean, sometimes our antecedents involved in matches. Sometimes he gets thrown out. And that's why sometimes I believe that when he gets, does stuff and, and it's heel like, I'm like, oh, he's going to turn on Cody, but he never does. So, mm-hmm. you know, so managers don't mean that anymore. That's what I was saying. It's interesting to see he's there. Uh, maybe it wasn't as good as I, what I had in my mind. Uh, the Good Brothers obviously take one after Private Party had it won. I still think it was a, a, a really good match. I'm going to give that th- three quarters out of five. Yeah, about that. Yeah, three quarters. I think, uh, um, again, if I think what made a little bit of difference was, I think if, if Saban and, and Storm would have not been in there, um, it would have been now you want to see if Matt Hardy is going to cost the Good Brothers the match. But, again... Impact is not going to take the belts away from from um, Gallows and Anderson for the simple reason. There's a bigger and giant storyline bigger than just this match. So there's bigger, yeah. probably other plans that me, us as fans, as podcasters, we don't know about. So, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, you actually going to believe that Private Party is going to beat the Good Brothers, you know what I'm saying, unless Matt Hardy interferes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't see it happening. But it was good in entertainment because now you figure, well, he comes to AEW tag team coming into Impact to beat, try to beat the Good Brothers, and you know, and they added Storm and Saber to make it more interesting. Well, I think the the that we talk about as well when it when it comes to it, uh, I feel the Good Brothers are probably the biggest stars. Oh I'm yeah, bit, I, I, the biggest main event draws on Impact. You know. Oh I think, yeah. You know, oh yeah. They don't really have tag teams. They don't really have that much tag teams in there. I mean, besides them, who you have? They broke up the North because, I mean, uh, Ethan Page never signed back. I mean, and you can't put Myers Hernandez as a, a legit tag team. They just happened to team up because, you know, they're few with Eddie Edwards and Cardona. But other than that, if you think about it, who is who? T- what tag teams do you have in a? I mean, in Impact? I mean, in and if you even if you put a, a tag team together, you know you're still not going to take those belts away from Good Brothers because right now Good Brothers are the there's a bigger storyline. I think there is a bigger storyline, and um and um probably it's going to be um like I said, a Revolution where the Good Brothers are going to defend those belts against the uh, the Young Bucks, and we're gonna matter of fact we're gonna find out this Wednesday. So if the Young Bucks keep the belts. Uh, we're gonna have uh, AEW versus Impact World Champ Tag Team Championships. So we'll see. Well, it's, it's gonna be good, brothers. Oh yeah. Um, oh, anyway, yeah. so we got um, prediction. I went good, brothers, and a five out of eight with prediction polls is forty six percent went private party, and then we get a video package to the lead up events to Swan versus Dreamer, and of course our main event, Rich Swan versus Tommy Dreamer for the Impact Wrestling World Title. Dave Penza made the in-ring introductions. They started off at a slow pace, at slow pace at the beginning. They began to trade moves. The action spilled to the floor, and Dreamer hit an elbow from the apron. Dreamer appeared to hurt his hand. The referee Brian Hemler put up the X sign. The doctor ran to the ringside, but Tommy popped his finger back in place and continued. Uh, what did you think of that moment? I thought it was oh. at first. I was thinking, oh no, but I thought it was quite, you know, gnarly in the end. I'm at, I'm at home. I'm like, you did not step in a match over. A broken finger, really? Tommy Dreamer has been in worse situations than that. You gonna stop a match of a broken finger? Get out of here! I, I was like, they're not gonna stop. So I, I mean, you saw it. It looked at distorted a little bit, and then he popped it back. I was like, ooh, that hurts, you know. But yeah, uh, 
I was hoping they didn't stop the match, though. But, I mean, like, you can't stop a match when Tommy Jima has been in bloodbaths. Come on. Yeah. This is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, you show replays. It's like, that's how his final match ended. Yeah, he broke his little finger. Yeah, Yeah, what a way to go. um, But I think it was nice, Duncan. It showed the toughness of what it meant to Tommy, you know, even if he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's... Yeah, that that pretty much, you know, showed that, um, you know, he, the guy... No matter what com- type of pain he's in, he's going to give you 100%. Uh, that, which, you know, again, it was really nicely done. Uh, Swan worked on the hand. Dreamer made a comeback and went after Swan's knee. Of course, he's had uh, reconstruction surgery on it. So, again, another good story told there. Dreamer got a reverse DDT for a pin. Dreamer had Swan in a cloverleaf submission. And then they both tumbled to the outside. Swan hit a cutter on Dreamer to the floor. Um, and then the kick to the face. Uh, was oh, vicious yeah. by Swam. What, was that the one? Was that the one that he tried to power drive him and, and he kicked him right in the mouth? Yes. <laughs> oh man, I, I saw that. I never seen anybody do that. And then when he picked him up, he kicked him right in his mouth. I was like, oh, I was like, wow, I never seen nobody do. That. <laughs> uh, back in the ring, Dreamer had to come back and got seriously two counts. Swan had Dreamer in an arm lock and worked on his injured hand. Dreamer reached the ropes to break the hold. Swan hit a series of kicks. Dreamer caught a kick. And got a backside for a two count. Swan caught Dreamer with a kick. Swan missed a splash off the top. Uh, and had Dreamer in the rings of Saturn, but Dreamer powered out. He hit a Spicoli driver for a two count, which is a, a lovely tribute. Uh, Swan hit more kicks and hit his Phoenix splash for the victory. And as Dreamer was presenting Swan the belt, Moose attacked from behind and pounded Swan. He also speared Dreamer. Moose attacked Swan's knee with a chair. He held up the impact and TNA belts. And then left the ring. Uh, first off, we talk about the match. Uh, what were your thoughts? And I think this is one of Dreamer's best matches, even though, as we've talked about, there might not have been that many. Yeah, um, yeah, it was one of the uh, uh, one of his best matches. He didn't have to resort to grabbing a candlestick or, or, or a chair. Um, so he we went toe to toe with uh, with Swan. Swan, I mean, show his little. You could tell he's got a little mean streak on him. So he had he was doing everything needed to to you know hold that belt. So overall, the the match was decent. I mean, it wasn't. I won't care. I don't know why they called that a main event. That was not a main event. That that was just a regular match. But for for Tommy Dreamer, I mean, his last hurrah. You know, that was the best way to, uh, the best birthday present you could get. Whether whatever happens. Whether he won or not, you know, it was just nice enough impact to give him a world title shot. Uh, is this the end of the line for him? Do you want to see him carry on, or do you think this is a great way? Yeah, of the guy's not going nowhere, James. He's not going nowhere. The guy's still going to be in, you know, and it's, and, and, you know, he's 50 something years old, and yet his body can't take all the stuff or whatever he can't get up. And I mean, he was explaining that he sleep a certain way because he needs to get up that certain way every day. And, you know, guys like him who have pulled his body so, so much, you know, if, you know, if he sleeps, drinks, eat wrestling, this guy's not retiring anytime soon. Not at all. Sabu is still around and he's like 50 something years old. <laughs> so Tommy dream is not going nowhere. As long as he got a paycheck, as long as impact is paying him and, and he's more of giving back to the business, you know, and, and you know, um, and I'm sure that Impact is going to have other young guys come in. And I know there's a lot of young guys in there that look up to him. He's not going nowhere. Um, right. So first off, we do out of five. What are you going to give that out of five for your match? Uh, I'll give it like a three. 
three and a half. I, I think that's that should have not been a main event, uh, to be honest. Um, I think they could have done that in the middle of the of the of the uh, show. They could have put the the um, the tag team, the Good Brothers Private Party, as the main event because that's a crossover. You know what I'm saying? As a crossover promotion, crossover tag team, it could have been nice. But again, you know, again, they're doing they're doing. I guess they were doing him a favor as far as look, it's your birthday. We're gonna give you a title shot. We're gonna put it at the main event. So you know, I mean, that's it, that was nice of Impact's part to do that. So I, I, I get like I said, I probably give him like a three in the match. You know, it wasn't yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a three and three quarters only because it is probably the best match I've seen Tommy Dreamer in. Prediction wise, went Swan. So the final got six out of nine. Not great. Uh, poll wise, Tommy Dreamer got 56%. So people on Twitter thought Tommy Dreamer's actually. 56%. Uh, 56% <laughs> thought just, that he was going to win the Impact Belt. Who are these people? Was, look, I appreciate everybody voting on um, on Twitter. So maybe listen to the podcast. Uh, that's one of the things. But hey, what we're going to talk about quickly is uh, Swan versus Moose. Obviously, it's money, it's the match you, it's the match I want to see. Uh, will they wait till April, which is the next Impact uh, pay-per-view? And did they do an injury angle? Will Rich will not be able to be cleared until April now? Yeah, but if they do a if they do an injury angle, you know for a fact that if they do an injury angle, and I think the next pay-per-view is in two months, I think April, then that means that Swan's going to win. Right now, the way I look at it, uh, if you're going to do an injury angle, okay, do the injury angle. Don't make it that crazy where, you know, now this guy recovers in two months and then he makes a comeback and he beats moves by a fluke or whatever. You have the guy who could take impact to the next level. The guy is has improved so much and he is a good heel. You can have him as a heel. He Nowadays, champions, world champions who are heels are better than baby faces because people are going to want to see this person lose if they don't see him lose then you know they're going to be like oh you know who's the next challenger and then you got the next challenger that comes in um right now you need to get that bell away from Rich Swan. Rich Swan, like i keep saying it he is not world champion material give it to moves moves has done has been so good in the last couple of years and and like i say i saw him wrestle and hard to kill. He impressed me so much, and I'm like, wow, this guy is just has done a 360. And then he's been the dominant, um, even though that TNA belt is not a, considered a legit championship, but he's been the dominant champion in there. You know, we haven't seen anybody dominate the scene like that since probably Brian Cage when he was in there. You know, or or well, or, or somebody else. You know. But like I say, it's it's the match now that Impact have got. And it's Rich Swan versus Moose. And whether Rich Swan is injured from what Moose did to him after the matchup and he won't be clear until April, I think that's definitely something they are going to look at. So we'll look at the event overall. Uh, match of the night, uh, you did say that Dina versus Jake uh, was your match of the night. And I'm, I'm sure you're sticking to your guns with that one. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it was it was, it was good. I mean, even though the, the triple six revolver was pretty good, also there was a lot of high flying moves, a lot of stuff that that. Um, so, you know what? I'm gonna change my mind now because I, I look at it. I totally forgot about this damn triple six revolver match, and I think I'm gonna go with that. But the Dina and Jake match was pretty good. I think it was there 
probably a little lower level than, than the triple six revolver. Like I say, the triple six revolver because Josh Alexander won it. Um, and then they were a lot of stuff going in there that was pretty good. Uh, so I'm going to stick with triple six right now. I'm going to change my, my, my answer to that, sir. Yeah, no, no problem. What I've done is I've put the Dina match down to a four and a quarter and up the X division match to four and a half overall. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, match of the night, like I said, X Division Revolver for me. I mean, it's just a talent on the show. I think we're going to, hopefully, it's one of these matches that, you know, you or I can look back on in 10 years' time and watch it and go, look at all these talents. Look what they become from that moment yeah. there. Let's, let's, you know, let's hope that could be and, a case. And Impact, and Impact, the only reason Impact still exists and has been since 2002 is because of that X Division. That X Division has kept a lot of these guys employed. Because of the, you know, of the the skills and what they do in that ring, the talent. I mean, Chris Bay, that guy, I heard so much about him last summer until I sat there and actually watched him at the New Japan Strong. I think it was the Lions Break Tournament, one of the, whatever it was. And then you got you got Blake Christian. I don't know if Blake Christian is signed by, um, if he's uh, on the contract by Impact. But if he's not, they need to sign him. Uh, Trey Miguel, I'm most happy that he stood around. Josh Alexander, this guy, if you don't push this guy and put him the, with the belt, then he's going to go somewhere else, and that's a big loss. They lose Josh Alexander. They lose a, 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 a who else? I forgot was the other guy that I said that, that they might if they don't. Oh, Ace Austin. If you don't do anything with Ace Austin and Josh Alexander, those are two big names you're going to lose in your roster when it comes to to single individual competitors and they cannot afford to lose these two guys because but go ahead uh, i'm about to say you know you say we can't afford to lose it but there's one thing impact has done especially this past you know five years maybe seven years is the kind of revolving door sometimes of the talent and getting talent over you know just look at ray phoenix you know what he was doing in impact and brian cage and we've talked about you know even people like uh gallup oh, yeah. or mcintyre and morrison it's like impact it's like even if they do lose this talent, which would be horrible because this is a great stage for them to do. I've no but doubt they, they'll but, be but the they, next but they have lost, But they have lost so many guys in the last yes. two years. They had lost the, in the tag team division. They lost Santana Ortiz. They lost John Morrison. Um, who else they lost? They lost who else? Is, they just lost the Rascals. Um, yeah. And you know, again, you cannot continue to lose talent. Yes, you bring in talent independent talent that become big names in impact. So how are you going to build your promotion? If you keep losing talent, you cannot afford to lose talent. You got to keep those talent. So to me and my, in my view for what I've been seeing impact the last couple of months, three guys, they cannot lose. And that's Chris Bay, Austin and um, Alexander. You can't lose those three. You lose, other, you lose any other three guys. And then the women's division, if you lose Jordan Grace, you got nothing left. Besides, you, you got Deanna Perrazzo in there, but then if you don't have uh, uh, great women wrestlers in there that could give Deanna Perrazzo a run for their money, then that makes her look like a weak champion. But the thing is, is this is what is so exciting about it right now, is the fact that Impact have got the foundations to build on to actually you know, become what they want rather than a WWE or NXT or an AEW light to actually, you know, come through it. And this is what we're going to find out now in the coming months and the year's time, you know, to see what impact is like. We've seen where it's gone from this time last year to now. 
Can it build from that or will it suffer the same mistakes? You know, if they don't learn from history, are they doomed to repeat it? And that's what's that's what's so interesting about it. Um, out of 10, anyway, for the entire event, what are you going to give it out of 10? Uh, I'll give it a 7. Just because they had that triple six, that triple six match, which uh, that was so much talent in there that um, that made that pay-per-view good. Now, you take that triple six out of there, Maybe I could give it like a probably a four or five, maybe. Because they, remember, there was one match there that wasn't supposed to be there. I don't think they needed to put it. But I'll give it a seven because of that triple six pack. And I remember when you mentioned it to me, a six pack revolver. I looked, uh, I was looking at him. I was like, what is he talking about? I never heard of that. <laughs> but uh, once I saw it, I'm like, you know what? That's something that if they keep doing it, it'll, it, it'll be something that people will be interesting to watch. Because it's, it's yeah. cool. I like the concept. Well, I'm gonna. My MVP is from that match. Actually, uh, I think Trey Miguel is the guy that impressed me most tonight. Um, yeah. Just because of his distance in the uh, Triple Threat Revolver matchup. Yeah, I, I agree. Trey Miguel. I mean, I guess this is probably why he decided to stay with Impact. Um, he does. He wrestles the way he wants to. He ain't got nobody telling him how to wrestle, what to do, whatever. Um, and he, I think, in there, he was the MVP of that match. Yeah, I think without doubt. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight and a quarter out of ten, only because it was a good event, nothing game changing, but still it was entertaining enough. And would I sit down the next day and watch it uh, all the way through? Well, I I just have done, but that's not the point. Uh, you know, when it's <laughs> an when it's an event, <laughs> that's going to be that good. You know, it's uh, I suppose eight and a quarter is fair enough. I mean, I think anybody that knows my ratings out of ten, no, I'm never really that harsh unless it's like Saudi Arabian shows. So I think eight and a quarter is not great. Uh, but again, not, not too bad. Uh, the future looks bright. End of which. Yeah, yeah, it does. NJ- yes, it does. Uh, NJPW's Juice Robinson and David Finley will appear on Impact Wrestling this Tuesday. A video where yeah. at the end of Impact Wrestling yeah. showed highlights of Finley and Robinson as the logo was shown. And social media later confirmed the two were headed to Impact and would appear on uh, this week's edition. The forbidden door has been opened. Now, see whoever thought whoever thought you will see New Japan wrestlers going into Impact has not been done since 2008. That's almost 12, 13 years ago. Okay, now with them bringing in Juice, uh, Finn Juice, uh, that's gonna be good because that gives um, a team like the Good Brothers someone to go at it. And and Finn Juice is one tag team. Their former former World Tag League champion, former IWGP Tag Team champions. So these guys are not slouch. So and I know Juice Robinson and David Finley has improved so much in the last three four years, especially David Finley because Finley, I followed him since he's been a long a young lion 2014 2015. Juice Robinson he used to be in NXT and then he w- went to New Japan. He went from being probably in the mid card. Uh, low-level card and moved up to the main event in the tag team scene. So a lot of people are going to have fun. This is going to be a good matchup between the Good Brothers and Finn Juice. So I hope they enjoy it, and I can't wait to see them this week. Yeah, and what connects it all as well, weirdly enough, we talk about uh, Juice Robinson. Uh, of course, he was originally ske- uh, scheduled to face Kenta for the uh, United States yeah. Total Shot briefcase of Wrestle Kingdom 15, which, again, it just kind of, you know, you're adding stuff to it. and it just It's, it's really, really good. Uh, and finally, uh, we talked about Sammy Guevara earlier on AEW. 
Uh, apparently, he's got some backstage heat. I don't know how true this oh, is yeah. over yeah. over the impact angle. Tony Khan said he'd be unhappy. Uh, Guevara apparently travelled to Impact to take part, and they said, you know what, don't bother because he was kicking up a fuss. Uh, again, we talk about it playing into the fact that, you know, Guevara quickly in a circle I, could show up. I don't know. That's not, I don't know. This sounds like to me like they they are, are working the fans out because, I mean, I don't want to understand why would Sammy Guevara turn down something with Impact when... If you want to continue the storyline as far as the inner circle, you just quit. And then, you know, now Impact wants you to come in. I think this is all work. Honestly, I think this is all work. And I say that because um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a uh, podcast when I talked about the Bullet Club, Tamatanga being fed up with them, uh, with Omega Good Brothers. But then I look on Instagram, I see... um, um, Tamatanga liking a pitch in a car Anderson. So I said, this is a work. And next thing you know, the forbidden door is open. So, and, you know, I think this is all work. So you can have people talking um, because if that was the case, uh, I'm sure Tony Khan would have suspended him by now. You know what I'm saying? But you it, don't want to work with it, the other company. It doesn't make sense. But this is the thing. Like I said, it builds excitement. It means we're talking about it as well, which, which is excellent. Uh, finally, if you say on Twitter, we asked everybody what they thought of Impact Wrestling No Surrender. Uh, 21% said awesome. 14% said great. 29% said okay. And overall with good, which is kind of what we uh, agreed on. Uh, so yeah. that is it for today. We have covered a lot of stuff. Like I said, the uh, forbidden door is open. We've checked out Another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, As two hours. <laughs> um before we go our follow of the week is eli samuels don't forget don't forget we're across all social media twitter at the wnr podcast i'm at the wnr jr do you want to plug your stuff yeah um, i'm on the chokeslam wrestling report as you guys can find me on youtube channel i have also audio podcast on the apple spotify stitcher all of us amazon podcast you can find me everywhere. You can also, if you guys are interested, I have a merchandise uh, website called tcwrveryimpressive.com. That's tcwr.veryimpressive.com. You can find my podcast merchandise. Also, on my social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and any other social media you can find me. I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> It's weird enough to say because the WNR are also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And across all Google platforms, send us an email at WNRpodcast at gmail.com. YouTube, WNRpodcast, where we have latest clips. Podcasts go up at the same time on YouTube to do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify, iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. The next episode of the WNR will be NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. The next time that uh, myself and the Ultimate One are together is uh, at the moment, it's March 10th for AEW Revolution. Um, yeah, is it March 10th or March 6th? March 7th, March 7th, because it's on the Sunday, is when it's on. And, of course, it will be released here on the 10th. Oh, okay, uh, okay, but, yes. But what I was thinking about, maybe, uh, because seeing how long and how much, you know, we go into detail with some, something like this, to be the, the weekend of the actual pay-per-view, we have maybe like a prelude to uh, AEW Revolution, where we look at the dynamite results, but that's something that we can have a look at and maybe discuss before we get the preview. There. You want a preview? Well, you know how we do dynamite results and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, rather than sitting there for three and a half hours <laughs> trying to do it, we might do the dynamite stuff and then the pay-per-view on its own, maybe. Okay, yeah. I mean, we, we, we'll we figure it out, James. You know that. I mean, um, you know, I like coming to your show and I'm sure your fans enjoy the conversations we have. I mean, whatever, man. We, we plan it, whatever. We, we doing it. You know how that goes, you know? Well, you know, uh, like I say, you know, uh, we we have a lot of uh, contact here, a lot of emails and everything like that. And, of course, we have a few people on the show. And, you know, uh, just between you and me, you are, you know, everyone's favourite. They keep telling me that, you know. Don't oh, tell really? anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, getting very pop- I'm getting very popular in the UK because I know Power TV 4 over there just grabbed my YouTube channel as part of the stream, streaming um, services. So I'm very – I'm getting heard out there. So – you know, New York City is in UK, so you know, and I appreciate, and I appreciate that your fans think that you know that I'm one of their favorites. And, you know, I just listen. I just bring the facts. I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. Um, and you know, we talk about 45 years of experience watching wrestling at all types of era. So you know, now I'm I'm enjoying this because listen, not only do I get to talk to you about it, um, me and you uh, connect well when it comes to all this about wrestling. And, you know, I mean, it's a good time to be a wrestling podcast and a good, you know, a wrestling fan because, you know, we don't have to sit down and get tortured for three hours on Monday. We could go to other spot and watch other shows and enjoy it. Without a doubt. Uh, I will say quickly as well for anybody, because a couple of people have been trying to get, um, you know, T-shirts and merchandise from yourself and across America. And at the moment, due to Brexit, uh, the charges on that, the imports, to say something costs twenty five dollars. They're basically paying like $25 for import duties on that. So at oh, this moment in time, once once that gets sorted out, I'm sure you'll see a lot more uh, coming your way as well, if you know okay, what I mean. Okay, no, no problem. Like I said, we appreciate everybody you know, that listens to us and enjoys the, the two of us and, of course, listens to the WNR uh, and everything like that in between. Um, but that is it. I have been James Rowland, and I was joined by Lee Elspeth. And again, it's a pleasure to have you on board the WNR train. Always, man. Anytime. I mean, I enjoy these conversations, you know, um, and, you know, it keeps me um, happy. My two hours of happiness. So <laughs> that, that I actually that I actually get to talk about wrestling with somebody that is in my in the same level that I am. Uh, yeah, we may not agree with everything, but that's the whole point. You know, we're having a serious discussion like professionals and, you know, and we enjoy it. Without a doubt, mate. And like I said, it'd be great when you're back uh, towards AEW Revolution. But till then, like I said, I've been James Vance. I've enjoyed by the Ultimate One. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Good night.